I'm Jason Sylvia, and this is The Creative Capital Show. A show about creative people and how those creative people turn into entrepreneurs by taking their creativity and turning it into a business and facing all the trials and tribulations along the way. Let's talk about sex. Did that phrase get your attention? Or did it make you feel uncomfortable? Either way, you may want to listen to this episode's guests, Shannon and Christine Curley. Shannon and Christine are a mother-daughter duo that decided to start their own podcast called Sex Ed Debunked. In this episode, Shannon and Christine talk about how they started their show, why they wanted to talk about sex on a podcast, why sex sells, but not sexuality how the erotica industry is being rebranded as the adult wellness industry, how their podcast is made from start to finish, and a whole bunch of other topics related to sex. The story of their show is an interesting and entertaining one, to say the least. But there is also another story to tell, a more personal story, a story about the intersection between life and business, a story about taking risks, starting a new career, creating your own luck, leveraging your expertise in a niche industry, the realities of working with family, becoming your true self, and a whole lot more. And it all started with a day at the beach. Enjoy. (laughs) But, uh, But thank you for coming on the show and just... Getting right into it, um, if you want to each, both of you, give a little bit of background on who you are, what you do, like, why why, why the heck we're doing this crazy thing. <laughs> why it, we're all here. Yeah. It is a crazy thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll start. Beauty before age. Um, <laughs> love you. Um, I'll start. I um, So, yeah, I'm Shannon. Um, my mom and I here, we have a podcast called Sex Ed Debunked that we... Uh, run out of Trailblaze Marketing in downtown Providence. We've been doing it for, I don't know, three months, four months, five four months. Four months, four months. We've uh, had time our... doesn't exist during COVID. You might not know this. this, um, this but my background is, um, let's see, I went to school for English literature, which my favorite John Mulaney joke is, like, I went to school for a degree in the language I already spoke. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> I know cool, perfect. Um, yeah, so that was a great choice. Um, I was a women's studies minor, which was just a precursor to me being queer. And, um, yeah, I work in marketing. I work in writing. I just do a little bit of everything. But, um, yeah, I got real bored during COVID and was like, what What could I do to make things less boring? And I thought, talk about sex with my mom every week. Of that course. would probably <laughs> – that would be it. That's the normal default. It was either that or watch more Netflix. So I chose both. But that's my story. Yeah. That's a That's – that's a good start. Um, I would say my story is slightly different. Um, also, I want to do a podcast because I don't have enough on my plate already. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, so I started practice. I practiced at law in Rhode Island for too many years, um, <laughs> two and a half decades. Uh, Shannon was graduated school. Older son graduated school, and so it was time for me to pursue something new and different. So I went back to get my second bachelor's degree at Rhode Island College, 
then I kept going. And I went to get my master's degree and I became very interested in the topic of sexuality and particularly sexuality and health. So then I went to Yukon and I'm in the process of getting my PhD. So um, all brand new territory for me. Um, grew up strict Roman Catholic. Sex wasn't a thing that we talked about ever. Um, so Shannon approached me, didn't you? You're the one who had this idea of I got the offer to do a podcast. Yeah, I, so I do, like I said, I kind of do a little bit of everything um, in content creation from strategy to branding, whatever, but I was doing some work for Trailblaze downtown, and um, Ezra Winters, who's the production manager down there, kind of just threw it out one day. He was like, you know, um, would you ever be interested in doing a podcast? And I didn't really have a ton of inspiration for what I would do a podcast about, but I liked the idea of doing it because I think anytime you have the opportunity to create something and put something out there with your name on it, it's fun. Um, which, you know, Jay, like you're creating this, there's right. gotta be some passion <laughs> behind it. You'd think so, but I'm dead on the inside. He's like, yeah, no, I felt nothing, but is there a little fun? I feel, a little fun? I, I feel nothing. I feel, I feel nothing, nothing at all. all. Well, fine then. So I had no inspiration really other than wanting to do something. And then I think that that was like the next day. Um, we just, you and I, mom hung out and, I, and we, Let's see, was it a conversation on the beach? That it was indeed a conversation on the, yeah. I mean, it's partially sponsored by Sons of Liberty, Loyal Nines, um, unofficially sponsored. I, I, I feel like it's the setup to like one of those, like, like, just any like given any like drug like um like medical drug commercial like preactin like, yeah, right. it's just like a mother and daughter on the beach yeah like smiling and laughing over salads it's and like, just, it's like yeah, yeah it's like preactin may cause these 20 side effects that yeah, are gonna be worse you than, than, than maybe worse than the thing we're actually trying to cure yeah well sons of liberty loyal nine may have a side effect of starting a ridiculous podcast <laughs> But the thing is, we sobered up and we still thought it was a good idea. Right. So what does that tell you? It tells you that we've been drinking since that day on the beach. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, to speak for yourself. Uh, yeah. It has been COVID, so there's been a little hard. more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, we just, we threw it out there into Trailblaze's credit. Trailblaze does small business, um, they, small, medium-sized businesses. They try to work with a lot of local um, entrepreneurs. And we threw that idea out to them and like, they were on board with it. They didn't balk at it. They didn't, you know, say, are you crazy? This isn't what we meant when we said, do you want to do a podcast? They were like, you literally like write blogs for us. Why did you think that you could just come around and talk about sex? They were on board with it, which they I were. think is, is cool. And I mean, I'll say as someone who's worked agency life, has worked small businesses, has worked startup, has worked in corporations, it was refreshing to pitch a very personal idea and have it be taken seriously in that context yeah, and have it yeah. not be pushed back on. I don't think that's actually a very normal response, quote unquote, heavy quote, normal, but I can imagine a lot of other situations where um, the response would have been, you're out of your mind. So, yeah. yeah. So I think that's a lot to take in, not to interrupt <laughs> anybody. I think that's like a lot to take in from like the first couple of minutes. So just to anybody listening, kind of give a recap, mother and daughter team go to go to the beach essentially <laughs> have a conversation about let's start a podcast and the name of the podcast is sex ed debunked so we're gonna you know talk about sex among other things and <laughs> yep. that's the podcast that you both have been doing so like just so everybody knows after you know just after these first couple minutes that that's that's the thing that's the platform you you both are on and i got a ton of questions but one thing i want to do like start with and focus on is um you know, because create the way the show is talking about the creative, but also talking about like the entrepreneurial and also like the grind and like the stuff behind the scenes. Because I, 
I don't think enough people talk about that. Um, and also go into your, your various backgrounds and how that plays into the show and this idea. Uh, so I've said this before and I'll say it again. It'll be like a Tarantino movie. We'll be telling things out of order, but hopefully it'll make sense towards <laughs> the end. You'll catch up. Yeah, it'll be yeah. different chapters. I'm like, wait, why did they jump to this? Was this as a flashback? Who knows? Uh, but... That's the original Catch-22, you know, yeah. was, was Joseph Heller did that. So Tarantino was ripping off of, uh, you know, an author. <laughs> well, I was going to say, isn't that like pretty much every, like, like, say, tar- every Tarantino everything? movie is, is inspired by something else and then somebody else does a Tarantino movie, so... There's no originality. All originality is dead. Thank you for coming to our podcast. <laughs> yeah. So then somebody's going to do... So then, you know what, what I'm waiting for is I'm waiting for the father and son team to do like a version this. of your podcast yeah, no, and no. then act like it was like this original idea. So so, so we're, we're just we're going to record this for, you know, for future reference now so that when it happens, somebody could be like, bullshit. See? <laughs> we knew it was going to happen. I call bullshit. I know exactly when this thing happened. I would, I would guess that a, a father-son podcast might have a different uh, lens because well, our lens dynamic. is definitely um, – we're very academic, but we're also feminist and we, are, we try to go – cross generations as well as cross gender cross sexualities so we try to be a lot more inclusive in how we approach our um which isn't topic. to say that father sons can't be inclusive but it's, it's to say that it might just be a good job so so, <laughs> so besides loyal besides the influence of son beach <laughs> loyal sure. and alcohol uh i, I was you know because i tried to do my research for for the show so I was Kudos. <laughs> viewing a post um, that you had both made, and it said, "Yeah, you know, hey, it came from an idea, uh, you know, from a conversation at the beach between the both of you." But was this an idea that either one of you had for a long time to do uh, a podcast, or was it just because the opportunity from Trailblaze presented itself? And it maybe, and also, why why a podcast? Why not video? Why not? some other form of, of mm-hmm. media, that kind of thing. So this was definitely the kind of thing where the the medium preceded the idea, right? Yeah, it was yeah. like, hey, this is a thing that you can do. Um, Except from my point of view, I'd been teaching, and I'd been teaching human sexuality to college students, and I also ran a mindful sexuality workshop for adult women. And I'm I was finding that people wanted this information and here I was just talking to small groups of people in small classes and I really felt like man there's got to be a way to get this information out there so that little seed was in the back of my head but how to do it and a podcast or anything else was was not at all (laughs) so you so you you did so you did I like like a lot of business ideas not necessarily saying that this is or is not a business um, but we'll get into that too Mm -hmm. uh you identified a need in the market Essentially, yeah, because yeah. you were you were having these lectures um, that you were that you were conducting, and so was it more like an output from the lectures, or was there outside of the lecture space you were fi- you were finding out that people wanted to know this information? I as would well? think a little bit of both. Um, I was finding in the lectures the students were like, "Why hasn't anyone ever taught me that?" And then when I would talk to friends and colleagues and people I played tennis with, and I tell them, "Oh, this is what we talked about in class," they'd be like. Well, I didn't know that. Why not? Why didn't everybody teach me that? So I started realizing that there was a gap in not just college students, but across older adults as well. So, so it was it was not just um, to one generation. So no. it wasn't just like, no. oh, the younger generation does, but everybody else. And it's, it's like, oh wow, like everybody, like just across the the generational spectrum, 
and it's across so many different groups of people. I'm, people I'm getting this, this this response and feedback whenever I casually talk about like what I did today at work, basically. Yeah. <laughs> what I do at work. Hey, hey, like, oh, I wish I knew that. So you you identify an, uh, a need in the market, mm-hmm. essentially. Though I think Shannon would be the one that would use that terminology. <laughs> yeah, for real, as a marketer myself. Um, no, but I think too part of what kind of made it quick click so quickly after the opportunity to do the podcast after that was offered like you know it was a day it was a day it wasn't like oh let me ruminate on this for months and months and months it was the next day that's gonna be my next question like how long you're like hey like let's let's kick this around let's but i think the reason why it was so quick that it was like as soon as that opportunity was presented it was kind of oh aha we should do this is because we'd had these conversations before but i'll also say that we did not have open conversations about this when i was a kid it really wasn't until my mom went back to school and then, you know, part of what was interesting for us and part of what we felt like would have, what is going to make for good content was the fact that there was experience and there was research. And so like, you know, my mom would say something to me like, Ooh, I found this out about like the LGBT community. And I'd be like, all right, well, as the Q, um, (laughs) that's interesting academically, but here's like my perspective from being a part of that community. And like, you know, mom would learn something about hookup culture and be like, oh, I learned this about hookup culture. I'd be like, yeah, I know that. Also, like, you know, anecdotally, I know this, that, and the other thing. And so I think we realized, you know, we'd had those conversations one-on-one. And then when this opportunity to sort of have a platform became available to us, it was like, well, we're already having these really interesting conversations. Wouldn't it be great if we could put those conversations out into the world? Um, And I think your question about, you know, why a podcast was shared one, just like, it was offered to us. Great. It's out there. But we kind of also felt like it was a good thing for people of multiple generations to come back and, and listen to, you know, we can direct someone to a particular episode mm-hmm. and it's pretty short and we can say, you know, you don't have to have, you just have to have Apple music or Spotify or Unlike whatever. this show that has a runtime anywhere between an hour and a half to well, like two hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's, you know, understanding your, your medium and understanding your audience, right? Like we w- knew that we were approaching a topic that maybe people wouldn't be super comfortable with. So we wanted to keep it kind of bites sized at first mm-hmm. so that we could be like okay we're gonna we're <laughs> like gonna talk to you about sex but like only for 20 minutes and then you can go you know splash water on your face and go back to work <laughs> but we are making longer episodes in the second semester because we feel like we've sort of people are in now they're mm-hmm. in and they people are like the feedback we're getting is like we want more detail we want more yeah, they're like talk more like, okay, okay. <laughs> take a you long for it. take a longer drive to work oh wait COVID now you're home again <laughs> yeah right. it's like you 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 all asked for this Right. It's true. We want more of the content. All right. All right. Buckle up, all champ. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, had would you have done this idea? And because I want to get into the whole trailblaze and that as well, and then some other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you have done this podcast or this idea, regardless of the medium, if Trailblaze wasn't around? And I do want to ask a little bit after that. What? who and what trailblazes, mm-hmm. but had the opportunity not been given to you like, Hey, we're this company that has podcasts want to do a podcast. Cause you're already working with us. Right. <laughs> what, like would either one of you had gone, gone through the process of like, Hey, we're going to do this thing. Or was it really that an outside force, an outside person gave you the spark? So I actually think we would have gotten there eventually. And I say that but not right now. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, before the podcast started, you had started leading, you know, co-leading mindfulness and sexuality workshops, and I helped build your website for that. And so we were already collaborating in that space. Um, And I also think we're the kind of family that 
often says like, what can we do to collaborate and work together? You know, my mm -hmm. dad is a journalist. He does his own um, consulting and stuff. And he and I have talked about working together right. on projects before. So we're not, um, our family's not strangers to being like, well, what if we, what if we did something together? And my brother's the same way. He works with my dad on a lot of different projects. So would it have come as easily? No, I don't think so. But I think with my passion, frankly, for creating content and my mom's passion for the actual knowledge itself, I think we probably would have gotten in some format, um, gotten to this at some point. I agree. I think we would have gotten here at some point, probably would have taken me a little bit longer because I am in the middle of my PhD right now, um, which is quite intense. So adding this on has been definitely tricky, but at the same time, um, we're finding this, this semester that we're getting more in detail. I'm, I'm able to, um, organize the content around what I'm teaching anyway. So, um, so Skipper, <laughs> yeah, so we have another guest you can't hear. It's, it's a cat that is really apparently really interested in podcasting. I'm gonna take a picture and, of this so that, that you can share it, and so that, everyone knows what's happening. And that said cat is just looking at every single wire and thing, and like, what does this do? And yeah, how can, exactly. and how can I break this? It's really amazing. Actually, so, uh, so I guess the bottom line is, I think me and Shannon would have like collaborated saying, on something. Our just family not really should get involved in our creative <laughs> efforts, including the animals. Yes, and the animals do join in. You're fine. They just sit on my lap. Just, <laughs> just wait. Yeah, the cats are going to figure out how podcasting works. Then we're all doomed. And then they're going to be podcasts. Yep. Oh, you said that podcasters. The first <laughs> you can push him off. Oh boy. <laughs> not the cat about the puns, but anyway. Yeah, no, the cat's fine, but the puns got to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> those are the only rules here <laughs> so we hope there's not a catastrophe with the wires all right it's enough <laughs> it was the perfect opportunity <laughs> we should probably take a pause <laughs> so trailblaze media <laughs> trailblaze media what, yes. what who like who or what is trailblaze media because you mentioned them already and they're the ones who gave you the opportunity gave you the shot gave you like the catalyst for this, mm -hmm. uh, so to speak, who or what is Trailblaze Media? Yeah, so Trailblaze Media is um, out of downtown Providence. Um, they're a, an arm of Trailblaze Marketing. Um, Trailblaze Marketing has been around for, I think in its current name, it's been around since uh, like 2010, but it was around before then. Um, president is Chris Parisi. He um, he's just is very involved with small business in Rhode Island, um, very involved with Millennial RI, which is uh Travis Escobar is a part of that. Um, but th basically they are a content creation agency, um, does strategy, basic marketing, um, some web design, whatever, but, um, yeah, they're great. And I started working with them uh, during COVID actually. Um, you know, they were just kind of looking to add more content creation, but a little bit more strategy to their client portfolio as well as their own portfolio. And, um, one of my good friends works there. And so that's how I kind of got, you know, hooked up with them. Um, and then, so they're not strictly a podcasting company. No, they're not. No. So they do podcast creation, they do graphics, they do, um, video, but pretty much all of that is run by, uh, Ezra Winters, who's just sort of who's their amazing. jack of all <laughs> trades over there. But yeah, their, um, their plan for 2022 is to double their staff and to really branch out and do more media. So is it, is it, a creative content agency. Would so they do like the best way to describe it. Yeah. So they're, they're basically marketing experts. Um, they, they operate off of HubSpot primarily and they do like small, medium sized businesses and they'll help companies come up with uh, campaigns for their, you know, paid marketing, um, social marketing, media, uh, 
website building, et cetera. So kind of just helping companies that are figuring out their own marketing plan, um, figuring out how to scale without hiring an in-house team to do so. And just for the people that don't know, what what is HubSpot? Oh, sorry. HubSpot is a, uh, it's a CRM. Fuck. You know, when you just get into, into the <laughs> agency speak and then you forget like what the acronyms stand for. Um, HubSpot is like somewhere you can build websites um, and it, it's like a content creation and website platform where you can also track like customer relationships and sales. So Trailblaze Media helps businesses run marketing campaigns, um, but they're also the con- content creation house, or are they trying to beef that part of the business? Yeah, they're up? definitely trying to beef up their okay. um, their podcast, but they're definitely trying to lean more into video. Um, if you know anything about the world of marketing right now, it's all about digital transformation, and that's just kind of going towards the more going beyond, you know, your boring white papers and uh, ebooks. And... After working for Dell, that was one of the taglines. DX, man. If I never hear digital transformation again, I'll, I'll be a happy person. But uh, so they're trying to do more media, trying to put more media out, but that media is for other, mm-hmm. for other companies. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm company X. I don't have a marketing team. I have money, but I don't want to make the the post myself or I don't want to make the content myself. Mm-hmm. I also have money, but I really don't know what I'm doing. I would <laughs> yeah. go to Trailblaze and then Trailblaze, we're gonna we're gonna run this this marketing campaign, this media campaign, but we're also going to create the content that's gonna be used in the campaign as well. Correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what was <laughs> so what where was do slash, we come into what was <laughs> what was slash it, um is your involvement with Trailblaze because um correct me if I'm wrong, uh you know, Christine, I know you're talking about you were a lawyer, mm-hmm. then you started going into um, psychology and psychology and having to do with sexuality. Mm-hmm. Your background, uh, Shannon, if I'm not mistaken, I know you mentioned a little bit before, but just to dive in a little bit deeper, you have a background in communications mm-hmm. and marketing. So were you working directly for them? Because I know you would, you would also... Let's see. Uh, copy thief was one of the the job copy titles. Copy thief. Um, I wish. Then... <laughs> copy chief. Yeah. But, uh, well, I'm a millennial, content, Jay, content... so I have five jobs. <laughs> Con- well, I was gonna say content develop con- content developer, creative strategist. You've yeah, it's done a bunch B2B, of made up B2C, titles that just mean that business I to business and business to customer. But yeah, were you B to B to C to B to T? Were you working directly for Trailblaze or were you doing more like a freelance thing? Yeah, I was doing freelance work okay. for them. So I have a full-time job, but I also do freelance for Trailblaze. And then I also do this podcast um, because, again, we just have so much time. But I was – yeah, I was I was kind of in a consulting – Sleep is overrated. It really is. I was in a like consulting and then contributor role. So I, I, on the one hand, like help guide their – content creation guidelines, you know, best practices for how long should a blog be if you wanted to perform in SEO and that kind of thing. But then also like writing the blogs and, you know, whatever, helping put together marketing plans and things for clients. So, um, you know, which I do in part because I don't get to do as much of that in my day-to-day job anymore. And I do in part because I really believe in what Trailblaze is doing because they're working with small and mid-sized businesses in Rhode Island primarily. And I think that's important. If you don't mind me asking, what is the day-to-day job? Um, so I am a copy chief for a company that uh, is an aggregator for Amazon, which basically means that we buy businesses off of Amazon. Oh, okay. Um, but in that role, I primarily manage a team and I do just like a lot of reviewing. So I'm not doing as much actual creation of content. 
Um, so I'll review proofs for graphics and things. It's just sort of a more senior role where, you know, how it works when you're creative is the more senior you get, the less actual creative work you do. Yeah. So for me, Trailblaze is a way to stay in touch with the creative side of things and keep my skills sharp um, and make sure that I'm still, you know, understanding the current landscape of, of the work that I'm passionate about. So you were consulting for Trailblaze. Mm-hmm. And then consulting and creating. So I write blogs creating. for them, but also And then yeah. Trailblaze was doing podcasts or media on their own, or was this um they were doing media for a specific customer or customers? So they do a mix. They do um they do videos for customers, they'll do graphics for customers, logos, that kind of thing. Um the one other podcast that they have in house right now is called Anchored, and Anchored is Trailblazes production like through and through and it's about Rhode Island and it's about like Rhode Island humor, Rhode Island um, trivia, (laughs) right? The saltiest takes from whatever. Yeah. Um, That's what I was trying to differentiate because I just was trying to figure out like if Trailblaze was making their own media in-house just for themselves and that's, and they wanted to do more, needed more. And that's that way they reached, they were like, Hey, do you want to do something? Yeah. I think that they um, wanted to, so trail so anchored is very much owned by Trailblaze, right? It's it's I mean a hundred percent. It's it's owned by Trailblaze to the extent that it is produced on Trailblaze time. Um but again, uh Shay Weintraub and um Elise who produced that or who are her the who are the hosts for it, it's still very much their creative ownership, their own creative direction. But at the end of the day, it is a Trailblaze production. We are also a Trailblaze production, but because we are outside of Trailblaze and not employees of Trailblaze, it's just slightly different. And so I think they were looking for a kind of prove it production to show um, other partners, other clients that they can do something that isn't just trailblaze. So that's actually interesting. So there, cause hate to put it in this kind of terms, but there's always like the what's in it for me. Like, mm-hmm. cause not everybody, mm-hmm. it's any of the kids listening. <laughs> People don't always just do stuff out of the kindness of their hearts. <laughs> and I was trying to think of like, what, what does trailblaze get out of it? But that's interesting. So it's almost like trailblaze, by having you do the show, it's almost like a proof of concept right. that they can exactly. then demo out mm-hmm. to other bits and say, hey, this is an outside person. Look, we helped them make this right. podcast. Like, are you a realtor? Maybe you want to start a real realting podcast or how you want right. to market yourself. Like, we can help. Like, it can mm-hmm. sound like this and look as polished. Okay. So that's interesting that, like, that, like what they got out of it or what they get out of it is a proof of concept. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, it's basically a POC with, with KPIs. Yeah. Yeah. And for anybody, and everybody <laughs> proof wants of to know concept, the K- proof of concept, performance, performance indicator. <laughs> but we do have those, and and that's I think where it kind of does prove itself out. Is it's like you know, hey, we have this many downloads, we have this many followers, and now we can say to our clients, hey, in this amount of time, they were able to increase their listeners by this much and increase their followers by this much. I was going to ask, like, so does do you both own the show? Like, if you ever just wanted to be like, because I because if you if you go listen to the show, we're going to get into the title too, because I I have some I. Have, I got so many questions, but <laughs> Sex Ed Debunked is the name of the podcast, but they're on the logos and on things, it's like a trailblaze, you know, because there are like podcasting production well, companies, Jay, but it says trailblaze. you got to keep in mind that my mom is an attorney, so we've got a really good <laughs> I was gonna, I was going to say, I was going to... have a good contract. I, you took the words out of my mouth, I was going to say, with your, mom, with your mom being an attorney, I'm pretty sure that you can take anywhere, but yep. do you have to... It was, it was carefully negotiated. Do you yes. have to answer to trailblaze when it comes to metrics and things like that, or no? It's No, we do. I mean, okay. we, we do have set deliverables in the industry speak like you know there there is a certain amount of listenership we need to have and we need to prove it and you know having guests on the show is something that we have to do which we are delighted to do but it's something that we you know have agreed to is to get more people to 
lend their voice to the podcast, which, you know, for what we're doing with our podcast is something we would have wanted to do anyway, right, because right. we shouldn't just be two cis white ladies talking about sex. No. So we're happy to like try to bring other people. Wait, that's not what the show's about. Okay. No. Um, <laughs> we just lost half our viewers. Shit. <laughs> I was going to say, I have barely little to, to, I don't want to say barely. I'm like, to anybody listening to the show, thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> but at the same time, my numbers aren't up there, but I have nobody to answer to but me. So it's there just, when I look at the numbers, it's like, okay, I have to do better. But it's interesting that you that you actually have like mm-hmm. metrics and goals and things that you need well, to hit. Well, and because of my background, I'm like, I want to hit them. You know, like I track them. I don't think, mom, I don't think you've ever I, looked at the data and analytics, but I have them like pulled up on my phone every day in my history because I'm just curious. Now. I got some questions about, about that <laughs> in a bit too. So I, I do look, but I don't look as obsessively because I feel like we're we're writing, we're doing really good content, and and when we eventually find more and more people, they'll go back and listen to the old episodes, and well, people are doing that, and I I hear that from the people that I that I recruit when I'm on vacation and be like, hey, I have a podcast. If this, <laughs> if this is a collaborative, like if this if this show if this if this show ends up being like your show as well, like simultaneously, and your numbers go down, I apologize. Ed, I, <laughs> hey, thanks for tanking yeah, our podcast. Thanks for tanking. Like no one listens anymore. Uh, <laughs> So the name sex ed debunked, was that within that conversation or was that just, did that actually, come along yeah. later? I mean, I think huh, okay. we, it was, wow. ref, it was refined. Hey, I'm an annoying person and I bring a notepad with me like everywhere. So we were at the beach and I'm like notepad in one hand, loyal in the other. But yeah, we actually wrote, I mean, again, though, that's how I, my brain works is I'm like, we have an idea. Let's just start, you know, ideating. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we wrote down like. 30 different names, I think. And we didn't get to Sex Ed Debunked until, like, uh, we called down that list a little bit. But it was one of them that was on there. And the reason we ultimately went with it was, uh, one, we thought it would be a good format for the episodes to have myths every week. And so that's where, like, the debunking comes in. But also, as you may have caught on to, I'd love a good pun. And I was thinking about debunked, like, you know, you're in bed and then you're you're out of it. Yeah. You're debunking. And our our tagline at the end is always another myth. Put, Put to, to bed. bed. Yeah. It was originally also like I'll be in my bunk. Yeah. But originally it was sex ed unabridged, right? Because we were mm-hmm. trying to we were trying to go beyond what you're taught in school and go beyond what you're taught on the internet and go beyond what you're taught in porn. Well, it doesn't teach you, but it's what you learn. So we were trying. For some to people, out that, that. that is what teaches them. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. No, no. Listen to the podcast. We'll teach you more, better, better things, better techniques. Well, not techniques, but research and. Um, and the real facts behind sexuality. So, but I think sex had debunked was not too far down the line. No, it was, I mean, you know, we had a, we had a deck, a presentation um, with like six different She's the creative. We'll just emphasize that a few times more. She's the creative. She set out some beautiful ideas <laughs> and, and the graphics and all of that. And I just kind of try to figure out what the myths were. <laughs> so, yeah. so actually what, what made you want to land on that? Because... Sex and sexuality, it's such like a broad topic, right? And you do cover a range of different, you know, topics within that topic mm-hmm. on, on your show. Uh, but what was the deciding factor? Was it, was it because of, like, you know, your current point in life where you're dealing in academics? I noticed you were, you were saying, like, I think semester mm-hmm, in reference mm-hmm. to a yeah. season. So, you know, even the terminology, like, semester as a season, what, what uh, made you go, like, this is the name, but also like, yeah, we want this to be like talking about some like myths, but in an educational, almost like classroom, like wrap wrapper around it or a format around it. 
we did the research. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, you know, I mean, not for nothing, but we're living in a time where people think that they can do their own research. Um, and so I think <laughs> part of it for us was like, you can't see my hey, eye roll on real. a podcast. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think part of it was like, Hey, this is a real education. It was also, you know, originally this was talking about the fact that sex education is not comprehensive in the U S or in most places, but that was our first myth. And that was sort of our inspiration was man, like we're calling it sex education in schools and it's not like, it's not sex education. If, if your only sex education is don't do it, then that's not an education. That's just a warning. Um, so I think right. it was that it, it was sort of the, like, this is what education ought to be. And then, yeah, it was the academic background. And then we kind of, you know, if you listen to the intro of any of our episodes, it's got this like doo, 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 music. So we were kind of also playing with like the facts of life and saved by the bell. That title is going to be, I mean, that, not, the, not the title, but that the facts of life theme song is going to be stuck in my head all night. Hey, so, you're welcome. so thank you. Yeah, thanks for that. Really welcome. appreciate well, the, it. Our fucking theme song is stuck in my head every goddamn Friday when we record all day. I'm like, do 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 shit. Every week. <laughs> but it is very catchy. Right. That was kind of the, the her her brainchild was to try to make it feel like a sitcom. So there'd be some lightness to it. Well, and know? that was playing into the cross-generational aspect too, because that is something that's important and that we see as like sort of a differentiator with this is that we are obviously, you know, not the same age. Not at all. <laughs> that's, yeah, weird. Weird how I would be your daughter, but not be the same age as you. It's insane. <laughs> Even though we look like a lot. We do look like. <laughs> but that was part of what we were playing at too, is like, the cross-generational thing and almost like you know when you think about like full house or like seventh heaven or any of those shows where they're like and then we had to talk about sex we had to talk yeah so we had to kind of blow that out as well like the really (laughs) serious episodes where they play like the really sad music when she's like dad i decided to have sex and it's like or it's like a very special episode (laughs) yeah 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 they had to announce it they had to announce tonight's episode will be a very special episode we'll feature actually there was a this is going really sideways but there was a joke with um when Dana Carvey had the Dana Carvey show, mm-hmm. and which no one knows about because it got kicked off the air because he crossed, he crossed a lot of lines. Right. Yeah. Um, but there was one where they were there, like they had to do the promos for ABC for the week, and so it was literally like a very special home improvement. And I think one of the, like the kids thought they were dying, and it's like we're gonna get through this, buddy. It's like Dana, and it's like, and then after that, all new Dana Carvey show, and they're like, what the fuck? What the fuck, dude? Like, <laughs> This is just such a, this like serious thing. And then the Dana Carvey show. <laughs> da, da, da. Yeah. But, um, what did you, what did either one of you know about podcasting before taking on like, yeah, we're going to do a podcast, but was it like, Hey, we're going to do this podcast or like, let's, uh, or to use a sitcom trope, we're going to start a band. And then all of a sudden they get the gig. <laughs> yeah. and it's like always that trope of like, they got the gig and then they, they you know, it's, it's everybody at the school or whatever. And it's like, crap, we, we don't know oh, how shit. to play. Yeah. Like, <laughs> So was it that situation? Like we're gonna start a podcast? Like what? We we know nothing about podcasting. Um, I I I'm the researcher, so I listened to NPR <laughs> how to do a podcast, and I this downloaded stories. Answer. I don't know, man. I'm a researcher, but I did. But that's what I, I did. don't know. I'm in so IT. Wait, you're you're against doing your own research, but you did your own research. Well, I, yeah, I, interesting. I listened to some podcasts, and I basically just I, NPR. I mean, how to do a podcast and. And then I let Shannon take me by the hand and show me what to do. Yes, I, I have. <laughs> yes, I have produced podcasts before um, in my previous agency life. That was one of the again deliverables content types that we offered to clients. So I've been on that side of things. Um, you know, just episode planning, content calendars, and things like that. So that's part of what I brought um, to the table. And I think again, kind of going back to what we were saying about why this is a good you know ROI return on investment for trailblazers because 
I did it the way that I've produced in the past. And so like we have a very thorough topic tracker. We have a regular publishing cadence. We have a pretty regular episode time. Like I try to follow industry best practices that I've learned by doing it myself. And so that's like, it's something that I can hand off to trailblaze to say like, this is what these components look like and you can model them for future clients. Because speaking of debunking myths, um, since we're on the subject subject, I want to get both of your opinions of it. And especially from one person who has experience in making podcasts, another person who, hey, I'm gonna do some research and Zero. get into it. <laughs> I want to hear. I want to hear both of your perspectives on this because I think this is really interesting. I would you would either one of you agree that there's this perception of like, especially when it comes to creating content. Yeah, everybody can create content. Like every anybody can now with like a phone. No, that's a myth. <laughs> with the, you, know, you got a phone and. The cat's trying to create content right now. Yeah, it's trying to create some job. music. This cat is like literally out of control. Um, I'm going I'm to go murder him. Continue your question. Right, right, I'll, I'll let it pause just so, just so I know to edit right here. Skipper, you got to be fucking kidding me, dude. He's not usually like this. Yes, he is. Sure. Is it's a Come lie. So this is why we don't do the podcast in her condo. Yeah. Got it. This makes a lot more sense now. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. I mean, they're not, like, he's really not usually like that. All right. Mango, honey, the food's where it always is. You're just stupid. So Mango is a cat she brought back from St. Croix. Shannon lived in St. Croix and and ran a bed and breakfast. When she got laid off due to COVID, she went to St. Croix and ran a bed and breakfast with a friend for six months. Damn. And Mango was the stray cat that she took home. The fat one was the stray. So (laughs) reel me that one. Spent a lot of time in garbage. I mean, look, look, fat when I got. I was gonna say, look, looking cute in in front of tourists. But yeah, uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it worked. Anyway, you had a question. Anyway, sorry, my cat. No, but. So we're, you know, it's, I want to hear both of your perspectives, you know, coming from some person who's produced podcasts and somebody who's never done a podcast before. Would you both um, agree with the sentiment that anybody can make, like anybody can make a podcast right now, especially with like the way we have services and things like that. Like you can get on your phone you can record yourself. You can, anybody can make content. So anybody can like from a technical perspective can make the content. But, but can you make it good? But can you make it good? And can you can like? And do you know the ins and outs of like an idea to finish? And I just want to get both of your thoughts on that because I think that's like an interesting thing where it's like, oh, like all I gotta do is record myself talking. Like, yeah, I can make a podcast, but I, <laughs> but I, I you know, there's obviously more to it. A lot. So more I, I want to it. get like both your perspectives as somebody who's had experience making podcasts, somebody who's never done a podcast before. Well, as someone who's never done a podcast before, um, it's an extraordinary amount of work, um, of, of the conceptualizing, the planning, so much of what Shannon has done in terms of she set up the topic sheets, she set up the Google sheets, she sets up a script link every week. And, you know, we really have to sit down and we have meetings like every few weeks as to like, which myths do we want to tackle next and how do we want to tackle them? And, 
every Thursday night before we record, we sit down and we work on scripts and we work on ideas. And it's not like we just show up at a studio for two hours or an hour and a half and just shit. And there, the are, shit. And there are some podcasts like that. We They're do actually not. good too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, we that's the not. thing, right? We is do not just do that. The nature of our content, the nature of what we're talking about is that we do want to be well-researched. So there is a lot that goes into it. Um, but I'll also say that one thing that I, I, I have a few friends who ever have, since we started Sex Ed Debunked have said to me, like, you know, I've been thinking about starting a podcast too. And almost always what they say is, but I don't know if I would have enough to talk about. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are like, I would talk about something for like maybe three episodes and then I would run out of material. And so I think that's like, if you have something that you're passionate about and you you truly feel confident that you could continue to talk about it for weeks and weeks and weeks. And you're not dead inside like me. I mean, it depends on how much you can talk about being dead inside. That's a good, a good point. <laughs> to myself, hours. Um, but yeah, I think that's maybe one of the hardest things other than, you know, the practical just logistics of it is mm-hmm. that I, and that's what I've heard from most people. And that's why so many podcasts have guests on them and have experts stuff is that, you know, because you, you do run out at some point. And that's why like I am beyond diligent about keeping our topic sheet and just like adding topics anytime mm-hmm. I think of it is because I don't want the well to run dry. And it won't. <laughs> there's so much in sexuality and there's so many myths. But at the same time, you know, we want to do stuff that's relevant. We want to do stuff that people care about, not just us. And right. um, and that when, you know, when Shannon did the, the research about other podcasts and we looked at other podcasts that talked about sexuality, this is really different. And that's, it's, it's different because we have our dynamic and, and Shannon brings so much to the table in terms of her personal experience and her experience in media and popular culture. And I bring in the academic experience and also the experience of like, hey, this is brand new to me, that we're very conscious that that's what makes us different. So we're very conscious about making sure that we are very systematic in how we handle our topics and our flow of topics. Yeah. So I guess to answer your question, yes, I think anyone can. Um, but I think there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that is just a lot to manage. Um, and so it really depends on, I think, your time and your passion about it. Like, if you are passionate about something and you have time to do it, then you can do it. Um, you know, if you, you want to, really like, passion. Bo Burnham it and, like, lock yourself inside <laughs> and produce something over the course of a year, you can do that. But, um, yeah, it's – there's just a lot. Um, and I, I think it depends too on like how thoughtful you are about it, like how much thought you want to put into it, because you're right. There's totally a podcast where people just show up and shoot the shit and that's entertaining sometimes. Can you both just want to get that over so that way I can edit that out, but can you both walk me since we're on the subject, can you both walk me through, um, and just to give, um, you know, some information for the listeners of the show as well from like idea for the topic or the myth of the show from like that point all the way to like the show is now out there on mm-hmm. whatever podcast platform. Mm-hmm. Can you just walk through like all the individual steps, which is interesting that you're in here because you're also working. It's not just you're both in control of every single aspect of it because you're working with the agency and you're working with um, some other people. So can you just both walk me and the listeners through just every like step along the way? Cause it's, it's gotta be some kind of hell of a journey of, Here's the idea. Here's a myth. But then it's like, all right, now it's out in the world, and then well, one repeat thing, the idea. Before Shannon goes into like the detail of the production, I will say the one thing that's great is nobody oversees our choices of myths. 
Okay. We have we have a hundred percent creative control about what we choose to do and when we choose to do it. So a lot of it is, you know, we kind of have a whole bunch of myths and we have a whole list of them. And the very very first step I would say is figuring out what order to do them in and what makes sense based on what's happening in the news, what we're hearing from our listeners, and also sometimes what's going on in the popular culture. Culture. Yeah. So let's see step by step. So yeah, I mean we started out. When we came up with this idea, we started adding to the topic sheet. I think that was like one of the first things I did was create a Google spreadsheet just to like keep track of topics and ideas. And the nice thing about that is like it hits on the cloud. So we constantly are adding to it if we're having conversations with people or something comes up in a comment, like we'll just add that in. And so we do have a wealth of a topics list. just for that. <laughs> so we'll, we'll come up with a topic. Um, we do record biweekly on Fridays. And so we do two episodes at a time. So that's part of our process to just save time is that we'll do two episodes at once. Um, so yeah, we'll come up with an idea. Usually I'll create, like uh, like my mom said, I'll create scripts, links, and then we'll start dropping ideas into the script links. Um, usually I come up with the myth or we'll talk together about what we think the myth is. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be airtight. It's just like to mm -hmm. keep that format up. Um, but then we'll like usually we'll meet the night before we record and we'll go through both of the scripts together and we'll kind of, we don't heavily script our episodes. We really do try to keep it conversational, but it's more like we put some guardrails on it as to like, if we talk about this, can we, can we faithfully talk about it in one episode? Can we authentically talk about it in one yeah. episode or do we need to save that topic for another episode? Um, you know, like, and what we're doing in the second season is we're trying to add more information that we didn't get to go into detail on in the first semester. Um, kind of like the first semester was like the intro course, right? And now, now we're in the intermediate it's the, course. It's the 101, and now yeah, we're exactly. Now we're 102, yeah. Um, if you so pass, yeah, so if you passed all the tests. <laughs> so then we'll, you know, we'll do that. We'll have that sit down, and then the next morning we'll go in and record. And we do try to do them, you know, we try to plan and then go in the next morning so that it's still fresh on our minds. Um, and then usually, you know, we'll record in studio. We do one rolling take. Um, Ezra, again, our, our sound producer, our sound engineer will give me a rough copy of it. I do the QAing of it to see if there's anything that, you know, missed the mark or needs to be cut or whatever. Um, and then in the meantime, I manage our social media. So I try to consistently post, you know, when we have a new episode out, I'll post that. When we, a new myth is put to bed, I'll put that up on our social. And usually I'll pull out a couple of key terms from any given episode just to highlight them. Um, behind the scenes, we do everything through Buzzsprout. So that's where we handle our synchronizing for our publishing. That's where we do our transcripts. It's where we do sound bites. It's where we do episode descriptions. Um, and I'll put references in there. If we refer to certain sites or studies in the episode, I'll make sure that that's up there as well. So it's pretty comprehensive. Um, and to go back to your earlier question, like you don't have to do that. I do that because there's a certain like quality of deliverable that I hold myself to as mm -hmm. someone who does produce content and create content professionally. Um, and again, I think that is part of the return on investment for working with Trailblaze is that by doing all of those things in the best industry standard that I can, I'm providing them a template that they can then service clients with. Creating your own luck. One can look at how Shannon and Christine were given the platform to create their podcast and say, oh well, they got lucky. Luck being something that just happens is one way to look at it. But another way to look at it would be to redefine luck as when preparation meets opportunity. 
Christine changed career paths and went back to school to study psychology with a focus on sexuality and mental health. And this would greatly help Christine in becoming a subject matter expert on those topics. Shannon was working freelance as a content and brand strategist, gaining the experience necessary to make creative content on a regular basis. And both Shannon and Christine were having conversations about sex and sexuality long before the opportunity for a podcast presented itself. The important thing is, you need to put yourself in a position to be able to receive opportunities in areas you're passionate about. So be prepared, especially when the moment to seize an opportunity arrives, and create your own luck. you got the idea you know a little a little bit of why you wanted to do the idea which I want to get into more now mm-hmm. and you know how you got the opportunity and how just from a logistical standpoint technical standpoint the show is made right mm-hmm. um so sex ed debunked even just in the name it's got kind of a you know I want to say well I guess a little bit quirky take on like education and sex education mm-hmm. but also debunking myths um why, you know, besides seeing that, oh, people wanted to, you know, ad- identifying a gap in the market, mm-hmm. as we were talking about before, uh, was there any apprehension of, you know, like, you had the idea and you get excited, but was there any apprehension or like, oh, hey, like, we're talking about something that <laughs> is, you know, I mean, like, with the internet, with content, every niche, right, mm-hmm. like, every, every niche has an audience, granted, um, and when it comes to sex and sexuality, you can cover, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can approach it. Mm-hmm. At the same time, though, you know, it's this, you know, even even with its quirk, even like like the, you were talking about the theme song, like the quirkiness, like it is a serious show tackling, you mm-hmm. know, serious things. Definitely. Some of the topics, I, I think the baby out, the baby it's cold outside was like not That was serious, a holiday episode. It was funny, but, it, but it's also like real information. And again, you were saying that. You know, we're in the age of everybody quote like I'm I'm doing air quotes here that nobody can see. Everybody does their own research, right? Mm-hmm. Um, was there any apprehension or was there any, you know, second thoughts or was there any the like like, oh, like we're covering something taboo here. Like mm-hmm. we're covering something that people just don't generally talk, talk about. about and, yeah. and hence the reason why there's a need in the market. Well, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the apprehension um, is also the but, need. That's yeah. the problem. So yeah. uh was the there any a- apprehension on, you know, with apprehension, uh, was there any apprehension on your end of like, oh, this is like, we're talking about something taboo. Like, should we be doing this? Like, how are we going to do this? Like, how is it going to affect, you know, how are people going to be going to be receptive to it? Did any of that cross into, uh, you know, into mm. your minds at all? Well, uh, first, the apprehension was, ooh, I got to talk to my dad and my sisters <laughs> because they listen. You know, my dad, we talk about my dad, um, you know, Shannon's grandpa on the podcast a few times because, you know, he came to my master's thesis. He knows what I research. So we did have to have a conversation and say, like, okay, we're going to talk a lot about sexual issues. Um, we want your support listening to the podcast, but please be aware we're going to, you know, first first episode we talked about, um, you know, sex education in the schools on the next episode we were talking about what kind of sex education did you get at home 
and I was raised strict Roman Catholic. I got none. I was going to say, you were mentioning that before. So I was like, I'm, yeah. I'm going to save these questions. Of why did you want to do this later none, on? None, none. And so, and, but that's the things that I needed to talk to my sisters about. I'm like, well, I'm going to be calling out the fact that we didn't get it, you know, and we'll be talking about my upbringing and our upbringing. So there was some apprehension there, which um, turned out to be unfounded. They've been, family's been really supportive. Um, for me, maybe a touch apprehension because I'm in a pretty serious PhD program, but up to now, everybody's been supportive. So there was a lot of apprehension around it. But so far, I think, um, at least on my end of it, people are recognizing there's a need and that we're handling it. It's fun. It's light. It's entertaining. But there's also serious information that people need to hear. I was just going to say that but that PhD program also deals with to my knowledge, sex and sexuality. Not really. Oh no? no. Okay. All right. No. Never mind. Okay. Never <laughs> I'm mind. a trailblazer in that program. God. Oh, okay. All right. See, I thought that was like you were in a program that was no. already dealing with that. No. Oh, all right. So I'm you're, crafting you're, my own. You're, you're doing your own. You're crafting your own lane. <laughs> so I'm in. I'm in what's called social psychology. So social psychology is human behavior and how people interact with each other. So sexuality falls under that. But the advisor who took me on to this day, I I admire him for boldly accepting me as a student because this is stuff he he learns things every day when we have meetings and to his credit he has involved me in research and commentaries talking about sexuality and talking about cultural sexism that he never ever ever would have considered before and so he's brought me into some he's a very distinguished professor at UConn um, Blair Johnson and he's brought me into some things that um, I'm very grateful for, and I'm grateful that he takes what my research seriously. So there was a risk that you took professionally. And uh, academically. And academically. <laughs> professionally in that you went from lawyer and then from like being successful a lawyer, lawyer, successful lawyer, <laughs> and then... Yeah. She didn't leave because she was bad at it. She was very no, good at it. I was very actually, good at it. <laughs> I, want, I want to touch on that briefly as well, and then and then I'll get to you. Um, what you know, what made you want to go from like, hey, I'm a successful lawyer, successful lawyer, and now, yeah, I'm going to get in this PhD program and, and you know, talk about psychology, but specifically <laughs> sexuality and, and et cetera. Uh, it was not quite that linear. Okay. Um, it was really more of the legal profession has become toxic and it wasn't good for my health. And so I needed to kind of, I had tried to whittle around the edges of like, finding work-life balance and blah, 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 blah. And eventually I was like, let's, you know, we've got to do something completely new. Um, I practiced law until last summer. So, oh, so I was recent. So I was still, I was still keeping my finger in the law in case this whole academic career didn't, didn't work, work out. out. So I stopped in 2020 is when I finally declared myself an inactive as an attorney. So I went to get a second baccalaureate, a master's degree, and took one full year of my PhD program before I officially became inactive as an attorney. <laughs> so, so you were so it was a hedge. <laughs> so you were so passionate about this thing that you're like, yeah, I'm changing my professional life, and I'm going to do this podcast as well. Like, yeah, the, well, just the level of like, yeah, I'm I'm all in on this. Was this was it the same for you? And like, did you have any apprehensions in in your head as far as like, oh, like I'm, I'm taking a risk. This is a taboo thing. Like, how is this going to affect me? I also th yeah. I also think because there's a difference in like you're you're in one stage of of, of a career, mm -hmm. and I'm sorry, I'm like 
I'm looking around because I'm not going into names. So if anybody's being confused as far as like, as far as like, wait, who is he talking to? So Christine, you had already had a career, like a a professional life. And then you started a new professional life and you're starting this podcast. But, you know, Shannon, from like a general age perspective, like your professional life is still Mm-hmm. going and yeah. so was was there any risks or apprehension just from a general standpoint like hey i'm gonna t- be talking about this taboo th- you know this possibly taboo thing and also how is it like could it possibly affect your professional life and especially if you're doing freelance work mm-hmm. on top of working for you know a large like corporate entity yeah i mean i think in some ways it's it's more of a risk <laughs> because I'm a lot earlier in my career. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely had yeah, to think the about question, it. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely want to get your perspective on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, no, it's... I'm pretty early in my new career. <laughs> your new career is about this subject. My career is not. Um, no, I think it definitely was something I had to think about. Um, but I, I will say, like, I think it's important. And in every job I've had at different companies... I've never been afraid to talk about things that I think are important. Um, you know, in my first job, I kind of hit a wall and ended up leaving because I was really trying to push for, you know, talk, talking about our well, subjects about differently gender. and gender. And we, you know, I was pushing basically for trying to stop. I worked for a toy company. So I was like, can we stop calling them boys toys and girls toys? Can we like really think about making See, Was that forever? company Hasbro? It was, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I feel like I have to like shield them because they were assholes to me um but anyway the, I, you know when I was there that was something that was my first job and I was not afraid to push the envelope on that and be like hey why don't we push for change um similarly in my other jobs it was the same thing where I was like you know we need more diversity on our images we need to speak you know in a more inclusive way I've continued that in my new role um and I will always be like that so on the one hand like yes there's definitely um some ap- there was some apprehension of, you know, I'm going to put out this sex podcast basically. <laughs> and you're right. Like it is, it is about research and it is academic and it is serious. But of course, when someone sees that it's sex ed debunked, they're like, so you have a podcast about sex? And I'm like, well, I mean, especially the, yeah, to- the topics next no. semester are going to be a little more edgy too. So. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So it was something I, I did have to think about. Um, but I've, I don't know. I, I guess I've never really shied away from ruffling feathers when I feel like they're the right f- feathers to ruffle. You haven't, Shannon. You're brave. Um, I will say that. My daughter is one brave, creative, brilliant person, <laughs> and I am grateful that she's the one I'm working with. Thanks, Mom. I will say it took me a long time to share the podcast with anyone at work. I was kind of waiting for the right forum. Um, I wanted to share it because we needed listeners. But also because I wanted to share <laughs> and it. And it's Houston. <laughs> they, need, they need the sex need ed. They need the education, yeah. Um, but... I mean, I'll be honest, I did share it when I got invited to join the um, LGBT group at work. That was like when I first felt really comfortable Mm -hmm. sharing it. And I will also say that one of the first episodes we did was an episode about coming out. And it was a super, super public episode. Um, And I, I mean, my identity is weird and fluctuating. And so talking about it was strange as Mm -hmm. it was because I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not a lesbian. and I don't really identify as bisexual. So I guess I'm just kind of queer, queer, um, which was a weird conversation to have because I'd never had it out loud before. And then all of a sudden the time when I'm really having that conversation out loud is like on a podcast that is going to be made public to anyone who wants to Mm -hmm. hear it. And then I also decided to share that with my professional (laughs) workplace because it was the topic that made the most sense for the group I was invited Mm -hmm. to. But that was kind of a, um, a waterfall of like, oh, wow. Like it's out there now. Yeah. Do you do both? Of you think that you would have you know because you're both very passionate, right, and uh, mm-hmm. about this topic to the point where 
you're taking on a certain amount of risk. Mm-hmm. And I think with the, you know, everything that's going on, I don't, depending on when you're listening to this, the great resignation, <laughs> right? Yep. And, you know, people are taking leaps and risks because maybe they've, they have to, maybe they want to, maybe like life came around and gave them an opportunity. Do you, either one of you think you would be taking this risk if maybe you didn't have an employer that was so understanding or maybe you didn't have a professor that was so willing or a trailblaze was, you know, not around? Do you think that this, hmm. this risk, like, would, would you, like, would it have turned out a little differently? Because I, th- I think sometimes when people... Um, put out ideas into the world, right? There's like any idea, not even, you know, it's always there's, a risk. Yeah, it's, it's, risk it's, it's risk and it's like, you know, we don't think about it sometimes, I think with social media because it's like so instant, like you can just mm-hmm. hit a button and the content's out there to the world, right? right. That's great. The flip side of that is you can hit a button and the, and content's, the content's out, out to there the to the world. Oh, God, yeah. And, you know, and the reason why I'm asking back. this question because I'm wondering if there's somebody, there could be somebody listening, right? Like, oh, hey, that's great for you that you were able to take that risk. Wonderful. I can't because of, you know, X, Y, and Z reason. Mm-hmm. So is, is there, do you think that there's an element of, I don't want to say luck, but like that, or, or maybe it is luck that, you, that you're both lucky enough to be in spaces and in, in areas of your life where the the risk and the and the weighing of it, like, or would it be different if you didn't have the support system and the people around you that are like, oh yeah, like we're 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 good with this. Hmm. So, I think you probably have a different perspective, but my perspective on that is that I have also put myself in a position to have opportunities that align with the things I'm passionate about. I chose to work for the place that I work for because it it has a good culture and you know Mm -hmm. I had other opportunities and and that was the place I wanted to work and like I said when I worked at Hasbro and I felt like I was hitting a wall with what I was passionate about and that I wasn't getting the response I wanted that's when I started looking elsewhere and Trailblaze I started doing work for because I believed in their passion for what they do and I wasn't I, I, I wasn't surprised that they approved approved our topic, right. you know, I, I, I think I, I was in some ways because I was like, that's cool that they have no questions that they're just going to run with it. But I wasn't surprised because I'm like, this is a company full of people who are passionate about what they do. And if they recognize that this is something we're passionate about, then it follows that they would support it. And so, you know, I'm, I want to say something though, Shannon, it wasn't just your passion. It was also your thoroughness and your diligence in thinking it through and both of us doing that yeah because it's not just luck and passion it's actually willing to put in the hard time that's true. and the hard effort and it's right. not not everyone like, can just donald draper it and you know yeah. pull something out of their ass <laughs> it is preparedness as well so to, i guess in that sense it's a risk but it's also it's calculated it's a calculated risk um and we've always taken like we are we are people who take calculated risks. So so yes, I was an attorney, but I was an attorney who left a large firm practice and started my own practice, writing legal briefs and doing research for other attorneys. So I took a chance twenty five years ago. You know, so that's kind of the people we are. It's kind of the daughter I raised to take a calculated risk, knowing what your skill set is and knowing you're willing to put in 150% because you care. Well, the reason why I wanted to ask that question, because I think the, you know, somebody's going to look at the title and I'm probably going to, you know, I, I wish I could get the rights to that. I think it's a salt and pepper song, but I won't be able to. <laughs> but let's talk about sex. But uh-huh. 
I think the, <laughs> the, the subtext of what the episode's really about and the way that I hope it's received is that, you know, if you're passionate about something, even if it's niche or it's taboo or, it, you know, or just risk take, like being willing to take that leap of faith, being willing to take that risk, whether it's creatively, professionally or mm-hmm. both, cause I, 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 especially now with everything that's going on. Um, with COVID, great resignation, and all that kind of thing, I think mm-hmm. we're seeing more and more of that. So hopefully, somebody listens to that. That's why I wanted to really ask that question. I think that's yeah. that's the thing that that the reason why when you know when we were talking about doing this episode, at least on from my perspective, with the, with my show being the way it is about you know um, everybody focused on the creative, but not the grind as mm-hmm. you were saying yeah. like right. the hard work but also like it's just a leap of faith to even be willing to do that sometimes mm-hmm. and especially if you're doing something that's not popular or, or taboo so thank you for answering that because i think that gives it a, a different way and i that's that's the stuff that i really want to um mm-hmm. really wanted to drive home is that at the, at the end of the day you're both taking a risk and doing we something are. that you're really passionate about and you took a yeah a calculated risk but you were willing to do it anyway and you're willing to just all right, bite your lip, take the trip, like, let's go, let's do this. Yeah, and, you know, I think, too, it's important to remember that there are so many different avenues to get to the thing that you're passionate about or to to get it out there because I started doing work for Trailblaze because I was itching to create more. You know, like I liked my day to day job, but I was itching to create more, and that's what I was passionate about was creating. Well, you, you, made, you made a good point, and that was, that was another thing I wanted to harp on. Um, how important do you think it is when somebody has an idea or, or maybe, they, maybe they don't even know how to go about it or cover a certain thing or do a certain thing that they be around people or be around that thing or just, you know, not necessarily osmosis, but like you got to mm-hmm. get as close as t- to that sun as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think putting yourself in the right space is is a big step. I mean – you put yourself in the right space, mom, right? You were like, <laughs> well, and, and, but before you even went back to school, you had started thinking more about mindfulness and thinking more about being in touch with your body. And that's because, you know, you went through your experience with having chronic Lyme. Right. And so right. it made you be more in touch with your body. So really you can trace the beginnings of when you started thinking more about this to where you are now, but you put yourself in a space where you could really learn more about it. You aligned your nerdiness with your actual <laughs> holistic need to understand. Well, you're, right. you're right. And a lot of it is, like this podcast it's about learning i mean we don't we say right up front we're not the experts we're learning and so this process of creating the podcast and getting to a space where we could feel that we could take this risk together but but you always say you, got, you, know, you quote Brene brown who you love no, but you always say it. you got to get in the arena right gotta get in the arena and that's the idea is Daring that greatly. if you want to do something that you're passionate about and you want to take the risk the first thing you have to do is get in the space where you can do it that's right well, and it's like the, I'm going to probably butcher this saying, but the idea of like, oh, lucky or fate or being there when like luck happened, like you got to put yourself mm-hmm. in like, in you have to put yourself in an area or in that position for luck to actually happen. It's not right. just all luck. It's it's like, no, you got to like kind of be ready for it for when that opportunity comes and then you seize that opportunity. Right. It's like, I didn't know that I was going to be offered the opportunity from Charlotte Trail- Plays from trailblazers to produce a podcast but being in a space where i was creating more made me better at being a creator Mm -hmm. and so it put me in a better position that if we wanted to do this podcast on the line or we wanted to do a webinar or we wanted to do more mindfulness workshops or whatever even just being in that space was priming me to be better at delivering whatever it was that we wanted to deliver right right and i mean heck i had to have the, the the crazy 
courage of applying to a PhD program at 50. (laughs) You want to talk about uncertainty. That's that's like going down the highway and just throwing the car in reverse. Like that's not even doing away. It's just like, let's just throw in reverse and see what happens. And like, you know, like, all right, Jesus, take the wheel. Let's, let's see. Um, I don't like, not that I don't, but this, the perspective of this podcast is one thing. uh, We're going to go into, I have some questions about, the content and the subject matter of your show, but mm-hmm. from also a behind the scenes and like a business and creative perspective, because as you both said, you're going through the process of learning, making the show. I am definitely not the expert on any <laughs> the subject matter that you both talk about. So if you do want to hear that, I highly encourage everyone. Cause I have listened to um, some episodes of the show in preparation for this. Uh, go, go listen to, you know, the show sex at <laughs> debunked. Um, and I will give you some time at the end of the episode to, Whatever you want. (laughs) One thing that I I I find interesting, um, and I definitely want to get both your perspective on, because I think this goes into the whole like logistics and business and things of that nature, is Mm -hmm. sex sells. Like it does. It it does. It does in this country, Mm -hmm. right? It sells. And but not sexuality. But that's the difference. Thank you. Because that that's what I find so interesting is like. Nobody, it seems like nobody has a problem when like, hey, let's get a sexy guy, girl, they, them, person, whatever, whatever you want, however you want to word it to like sell a product. Like, Mm -hmm. like that's, that's been happening, right? That's advertising. That's fine. Uh, You know, we can have it, we can, to a degree, we can have it in our media, but the moment like, oh, like. How about talking about sexuality or sexuality to sell a product or sexuality of a character on a show or, you know, change. why, why do you, like from, from you, from you both doing the show, what, and this could probably be a separate like four hour episode. <laughs> yeah. why, why do you think that is like, why is it that like, Hey, sex can sell like, you know, that's fine. I mean, Porn. There are some people who have you know something gets porn, but like porn is like a like accepted thing to a degree. I mean, like Playboy. Well, it's you know, certainly like accessible. <laughs> it's accessible. Like that using sex, sex, but sexuality. Like, why is that the the like the thin red line as far as like nope, like that's the thing that you're you know that that that's taboo. Sex sells fine. Sexuality, no. I think sexuality makes people uncomfortable. I do. I agree. Yeah. More than just sex does because, you know, you can write sex off as, as being, you know, it's necessary to procreate. Like we can call it a necessity, but sexuality is a much, it's a much deeper conversation. It's much more confusing conversation in a lot of ways. And sexy is kind of about, about fun and flirty and adventure. And and sexuality is a, it's a nightmare. It's a mess. (laughs) Figuring it out is a fucking mess. So people want to just say, you know, call it a binary, please just be straight maybe don't be gay, please don't be gay either. Like, you know, most people right. like, don't. And then you want to introduce queer and you want to introduce 17 other letters in the LGBTQ and it confuses people. And I think- Well, and you want to talk about feelings and arousal and performance and body image and that stuff gets serious. And the serious stuff is harder for people to really dig into and really question. So it's a lot easier to be wear a sexy dress, wear sexy lingerie, wear, you know, yeah, and I sexy think, jeans. Uh, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, it's become very politicized, right? It's like you know, the left cares about sexuality and LGBTQ rights and all this stuff, and the right doesn't. And that's not true. It's not that black and white. But I've seen 
on so many like forums and things, the most random forums, right? Like I'll be on a subreddit and it'll be about sports and they'll be like, oh, the first, you know, out gay football player and, mm-hmm. you know, declares in the draft and everyone's like, oh my God, who cares? Stop pandering to the left. And you're like, he's not pandering to the left. He's literally just gay. Right. But it becomes <laughs> politicized. And so I think it just, there's a lot of gray area and I think there's just a lot of confusion and there's a lot tied up into the conversation of sexuality that necessarily, that not is not necessarily brought up in just sex. From a business perspective, right? Because um, I think that brings up another interesting, like almost like a sidebar question, but it's mm-hmm. still kind of in this main, in the arena of this main question, because you were saying things about, uh, you know, sexuality becoming politicized. Uh, a previous guest I had on the show, Stephen Burkhart, runs a creative marketing agency. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, he, and this, that, as you were talking about that, a quote from that show, also shameless self-cross promotion, go listen to the Stephen Burkhardt episode after this one. Uh, he was saying, you know, marketers today are playing with fire because uh, depending on how you word or present something, especially it's a bit, because like it's individual is one thing, but like a business is another, or even like a business using an individual or an influencer or whatever to promote a certain product, if it's taken a certain way um, and like the Folgers commercial, I won't get into mm-hmm. the Folgers commercial, <laughs> but you're both kind of looking at me like, you know what I'm talking about? That go, go look up Folgers holiday ad. I will, I won't even get to that. that, that there you go. That's, that's going to be another future holiday there episode for you, yep. for you too. Next uh, year. See you then. Um, if we make it. You know, but, but as far as like, even if it's just, per, even if it's not the intended thing, if it's perceived a certain way, it can mess with the business. It can mess mm-hmm. with their revenues and things like that. Um, you know, as far as that goes, and, and again, like, have you, how have you, from even doing the show and also working in the professional spaces you're working in, how have you seen businesses deal with, interact, slash promote, or maybe not promote uh, sexuality? Not selling sex, because a lot of businesses do that, or the, where they, whether it's like, you know, subliminally or just over the top, but businesses dealing with sexuality when it comes, like, as far as, like, in a professional manner. So I have a couple of thoughts on that. Um, I have a few myself too. <laughs> so one, I think last year during Pride was like one of the first times where I really f- saw a lot of backlash against performative allyship in corporate. And thank you for bringing that up because that was I was going to actually mention that, but mm-hmm. you took the words right out of my mouth. So that there's there's that aspect too. So mm-hmm. go go off because yeah yeah because that was that was one of the things <laughs> as I'm asking the question I'm like yeah the, I'm like oh wait yeah corporate allyship because like, that's been a trend uh, trending topic especially yeah. the last pride that happened so. Uh, please continue. Yeah, so I think, you know, and that, you know, is just when companies all of a sudden put rainbow flags up and, you know, change their logo to rainbow and whatever, and that's great, but do they follow that up with, you know, any of their quarterly proceeds going to the Trevor Project or, mm-hmm. you know, human rights campaign or whatever, and the answer is no. Um, so that, I think, was a big thing, like I said, last year. Um so that's kind of using sexuality to make yourself look like you've got, you know, great social values at mm-hmm. a company. But if you're not also, for example, you know, providing coverage for adoption fees and you're not, you know, considering that in your benefits plan and things like that. Or health insurance. Your health insurance, surgeries. you know, are you covering hormone therapy if someone needs that? Yeah. So there's a lot of things, you know, and that's where it becomes performative is that you're, you know, yes, that's great that you slapped a rainbow on your logo. And but, what's your real diversity in your employees? Right. I mean, in the, and you know, great example, like again, like my previous employer always had a booth at pride but refused to gender neutralize the toy lines you know so that's performative allyship so to that extent you know they're using sexuality i think to have a better you know have a better reputation or a better, a better csr corporate image yeah and better 
oh, we can get this market now because look, like we're mm-hmm. super we, open we, and accepting. We, we want to get the queer right. market. <laughs> well, and that's CSR has also become a buzzword in the last three years, which is corporate social responsibility. And so mm-hmm. that's where the backlash of performative allyship has come from is as companies talk more about CSR, they're doing more performative things. Oh, you mean like the NFL talking about social justice? <laughs> yeah, and we're like, um, okay, kind of. sorry, Colin Kaepernick. Late to the party, I guess, or early to the party. Um, and then the other thing, you know, so for me, I, like I said, I got added to the LGBT group at work. Um, but it's separate from the diversity and inclusion group. And that's because we don't want straight people in the group. (laughs) And I think that's interesting in the workplace. It's, they kind of created this separate group. I didn't create it. I was invited to it, but it was sort of like, we really appreciate the allies, Mm -hmm. but there's different conversations that are being had. And I think just when you think about that in a business mindset, it's like, it's the difference between tolerance and acceptance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also not reducing. In some ways, having a you know diversity and inclusion Slack group that includes everyone, including all of your straight folk, is this is in similar ways to saying like, well, I'm colorblind. Right. You're like, well, thank you for trying to express that you get it, but you don't a hundred percent get it. And so we do like having our own space where you know it just feels a little bit freer. So. You know, I think a lot of companies are making strides in the right direction, but I also think, you know, there's just a sensitivity that you have to walk around with. And Mm -hmm. we walk around with that sensitivity on this show too, because we know that we're not covering every topic. You know, if you've listened to the episodes all the way through, there's like a 40 second disclaimer at the end of every one of our episodes that says, you know, we're doing our best. We're doing the best we can. We're doing our best to be inclusive, but like some folks might not be represented and some folks might be left out. And that's just the reality of it, you know, and we're not angry feminists and I'm not an angry queer, you know, I'm not like, well, my company didn't do enough. Sometimes we are, but, but I think to answer your question, it's like, you don't want to see something like sexuality weaponized because it makes a company look good. But I think there's also just, you, you figure out the difference between someone who's legitimately doing their best and someone who's just doing what the trend says to do. Mm. I want to get to that in a moment, but you brought up an interesting, um, side question I want to ask in relation to, you know, you're both talking about sexuality is a subject that's taboo. It's not talked about a lot. It's do uncomfortable. You, do you think that, um, cause you were, you were saying how, uh, Hey, you know, this is uh, there's a sense, certain sensitivity we need to have. Do you think that that can sometimes like, Hey, we have to be like, we have to have a sensitivity, not just your show, but just like people in general. Sometimes do you think that's, that sometimes can be a hindrance of like, possibly having more people talk about it could that possibly not necessarily hurt but like oh maybe that's why it's also difficult to talk about because people feel like they have to have a sensitivity Mm. to it can they can that be kind of like holding things back like it's Mm -hmm. not with the best intentions but is that maybe a contributing factor as to why it's a taboo thing it's like oh because we have to we have to say it softly or like we have to say it a certain way not not to go completely in the opposite (laughs) end of the spectrum but I, i i just find that part interesting too is like I wonder if that could be a hindrance as well. So I think the best example of that in terms of what we talk about is any conversation about gender. Right. Um, And I know, Mom, you have had conversations like this where it's like because people are so, like, hesitant to say the wrong thing, they don't say anything. Um, And sometimes that manifests as I'm not going to just – I'm not going to say anything. Sometimes it manifests as real intolerance. Right. But sometimes it's just – difficulty in 
especially in an older generation of trying to understand like, wait, I grew up thinking there were only two genders. Now what do I do? And why are there different pronouns and how do I use they? And, and some of it is just, there hasn't been the right message and how to understand it. So we're, we will probably have a couple of episodes in the spring semester dealing with um, gender identity and explaining some of this because a lot of it from what I hear is I don't understand can someone explain it to me and I do think you're right I think that's part of the hesitancy is I don't want to say the wrong thing I don't want to I don't want to step in the you know step in it well, everyone you know I think in terms of sensitivity yes there's a lot of people I think who feel like they have to walk on eggshells and I think my response to that is like no just just break them stomp on the eggshells, fuck it up, and then we'll talk about it, you know? And, right. I, and I know a lot of folks who use, you know, different pronouns will say, like, I'd rather you mess up and then I can just correct you and then we can just move on than have you make it a whole thing, right? If, if I prefer they and you call me she, well, that's okay if, as long as when I correct you, you don't get defensive about it, right? Right, right. Well, like, we have had, a conversation you know, about it, Lucas but don't get defensive. Right. When we had Lucas on the podcast, I will admit it was it was difficult for yeah. me. And I'll say to, like, people like, like Shannon of a different generation, I've had another 30 years dealing with those pronouns, you know? And so it's not out of out of lack of knowledge, it's sometimes it's just hard. It's just hard to remember. And then you just say, sorry, I'm doing my best. And, and as long as you're doing your true best, so we'll all get through it. <laughs> that actually leads perfectly into my next question because we were talking about kind of like this corporate allyship mm-hmm. coming off foe and then, you know, maybe some people are apprehensive uh, just, you know, talking about something like sexuality, which can lead to why sexuality doesn't get talked about enough, mm-hmm. right? So going with that, how can, because I'm now thinking like I'm putting, you know, let's let's put, like put like a, a business person's hat on this and it's like, Hey, listen, I only care about money. I don't care about anything else. Right. Okay, fine, right? And you want to go after, you want to go after a demographic because, you know, however you, whatever you identify as, you, you, you buy stuff. Right. Right. <laughs> like you, at the end of the day, you buy stuff. Like, you know, it, like you were saying at Pride, like I, I saw a ton of adver- advertisements from so many liquor companies that were just mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, the like every year wraps their bottle. Everything everything had a rainbow. (laughs) Budweiser had the rainbow. Everybody had a rainbow Mm -hmm. can or bottle or whatever. Um, To me, and I may just this could be out of ignorance. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. You want to wrap your rainbow like like not your rainbow, a rainbow around a product. You know, do whatever you want. Um, But how could a company, on a macro sense, and then I also want to talk about an individual, you know, sense as well. How can a company on a macro sense, hey, we want to make money off these people. Like that's what companies do. Like they, they, they go after certain markets, right? Mm-hmm. What, did, what, what have you seen or just as far as you know, different companies you've worked for and corporations, how can they do it in a way that's, I guess, genuine? Mm-hmm. That and it's just, or like like and like what's a good way to should they be frank and be like hey listen we sell booze and we know you know everybody buys booze so we want you <laughs> to buy our booze like do, do you just be super frank about it like you know do you, do you like or is there a certain level of sensitivity but like how do you not go into it's it's over sensitivity and then like it, it has no effect you know so how do they they work that balance that balance I mean again going back to Steve Burkhart's um, quote where he's like, "Hey, if you're a marketer right now with this like very highly polit- like oh, so many things being politicized, you're kind of playing with fire." So, how does a company, you know, a- appeal to that demographic or you know, be earnest about it, 
mm-hmm. without I guess pissing anyone off, or do they? Or do they, <laughs> yeah. or do they accept that like they're, hey, they're gonna piss some people off, and that's it. Break the eggshells, but then if breaking eggshells means sexuality, you are gonna piss somebody. But off then breaking eggshells, if that means like there's gonna be like a loss of profit, then it's you know, so that that kind of thing. Sorry for the long winded style of that question. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I have so I think there's there's different ways to do it, right? So if Budweiser once a year wants to slap a rainbow on their bottle, fine. But what I would like to see is that Budweiser once a year puts out a commercial campaign that has a gay couple in it. Right. That's not that hard. Yeah, you so, could just so, have so two walk, dudes so cheersing in the background mm-hmm. with yeah. like their tight shorts that they wear, you know, whatever. Or just steal the SNL Schmidt's gay commercial. Cause honestly, if Budweiser did a version of that, <laughs> just, I, yeah, I, they'll I would, just slap their logo on yeah, that. Just and slap the logo. Done. Yeah. Done, done, done. So I think, you know, but it, the truth is that representation does matter. So if, even if it's as simple as they do a fucking Instagram campaign where they just show different people in different relationships or they fucking show pictures of people drinking at pride when you know, it's a queer community being represented. Some, Something small yeah. like that is at least like we're not just pandering to you; we also are including you. So it doesn't have to be an overthought thing. It's no. just like just be earnest about it. No, exactly. Okay. I mean, and then they have real representation. There, of course, there's bigger scale examples, right? Like Patagonia gets a lot of shit because they put themselves out there as this like green, sustainable company. People are like, well, you you create so much and you make billions of dollars, but they also legitimately upcycle like all of their shit. Oh, uh, Yvonne Chouinard, his like his book about how we started Patagonia. Ever since I read, read that, I'm just like, I don't even buy a ton of their stuff, but I just like them as a company. Right, now. and, and they're, they really... Because he was actually walking the walk. Like, he was making mountain climbing mm-hmm. equipment, and it put so many holes in the mountain that he stopped making the equipment and switched to clothes because he loved mountain climbing so yeah. much. I'm like, that's somebody who's like, oh, no, like, I don't care. if I, Like, I know I'm making gangbusters money-wise. Like, that's being about that life. And, like, a good example, too, is... Um... Well, like I said, like benefits and things, right? It's like if 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 you know if your company is gonna change their logo for the entire month to a, a you know to a rainbow, then their benefits should reflect that, right? That's a bigger scale example. But I remember um, Alexis Ohanian, the founder of Reddit, was talking about this. I, I went to a conference a couple of years ago, and he was one of the speakers at it, and he was talking about like reassessing the benefits program that he offered to people at Reddit, and he um, his wife Serena Williams was pregnant. Uh, at the time where he was sort of reassessing all the benefits and Serena Williams had a pretty horrific pregnancy and he ended up having to take a ton of time off of work. Um, you know, and that was when he had this like, Oh God moment. Oh shit moment where he realized the only reason I was able to take all this time off of work is because I'm literally the CEO of Reddit and no one else at my company has these benefits. And I think, you know, he basically told this story and it was amazing because this was a marketing conference and he was supposed to be talking about like, how did you start Reddit? And he was like, fuck you. I'm going to talk about benefits for an hour. Um, and he did <laughs> treat your employees, right? but he basically said like, you know, you have to put yourself in the shoes of everyone in your organization in order to be fair. And he's like, and it, I didn't realize until I was in the position of what the fuck would I do if I was any one of my other employees and my wife was in the hospital for four weeks and right. my daughter was in intensive, you know, care unit. And like, I had to take two months off of work. No one else would be able to do that. So I think when companies, you know, it, it's cliched, right? It's like, you don't think about it until it happens to you, but think about if, what if it happened to you? What if you're, you know, you, you had to adopt because your wife couldn't get pregnant. You would want to be, have that included. What if your son decided that they identified as a female and they wanted to transition? Like you just have to think about the possibilities, even if it means coming from a selfish place of thinking about what was it, what if it was me? Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's what you have that's to where do. That's from. You know, that, personal is political, right? It is. I forgot which, I forgot which comedian it was, but it could have been Chris Rock where he was just like, 
like, oh, like, you hate on gay people right now. Like, guess what the likelihood's going to be like? Your son's <laughs> going to be coming out next year during right. Thanksgiving, yeah. you know? like, um, And that is what it takes sometimes. But I think it would behoove more companies to take into consideration that there's always going to be those people. They're going to be in your life. They're going to be in other people's lives. There's going to be someone who needs IVF. There's going to need someone who needs more paternity leave. There's going to be someone who's going to transition and they're going to go from being, you know, the best dude on your sales team to the best woman on your sales team. You know, like it's just, it's fine. Yeah. These are the realities of life. And it frankly doesn't cost you any more to pay for that insurance. Do you think a business can overcorrect? Like they, like it's like, Oh, like, Hey, like, all right, we have our first, I'm just thinking of a scenario in my head. Like we have our first trans employee Mm -hmm. and now almost like they're the, we were talking about before, like it's sensitive to the point where it's like a hindrance. Can that happen? Or have have you ever seen that happen in businesses where they, they, they're trying so much, like they're trying so hard to be like, like, look, like we are so accepting and sensitive that it actually like can maybe put a spotlight on that person where it's like, Hey, I just want to like work here and do my thing. Yeah, I mean that's kind of like using the token whoever, right? right? Token whatever you minority, know, whatever minority, in whether your, it's sexual, in your brochures gender, or whatever. Um, but I haven't seen a lot of that personally. What I've seen is um, glad you mentioned that because that was actually going to be another question. I had. <laughs> I've seen two sides of it. So I've seen the bad side, which is everyone goes along with it. And this, I had this experience actually because a friend of mine who was tr- uh, transitioning at the time asked everyone at the workplace to um, use she, her pronouns. And I was applying to do freelance at that company. And when I had asked my friend, you know, is everyone using your pronouns? She was like, yeah, it's actually been really great. Like everyone's been really respectful. Everyone's been, you know, really keeping on top of him. Like, that's awesome. Then I went in for this freelance interview and the person I interviewed with was like, yeah, so, uh, you know, he told us that you were great and, you know, really, we, we know you know him from a previous job. And so it sort of just like all fell out, right? It was like, oh, so they're, they're using the right pronouns to her face, but, but when they were to each well, other when, when she's not in the room. So again, like they talk about that life, but they're not about that life. Correct. And then, gotcha. but then on the other hand, a really beautiful and wonderful example of acceptance that a lot more companies are doing is very simply just having people put pronouns in their bios. Like if you have a Slack name, put she, her next to your name. And if you're you seeing have, it now too. It's, it's like on LinkedIn and stuff. It's happening so much because now everybody is on Zoom and WebEx and everyone is putting their pronouns next to their name on the Zoom calls, right. which I'm seeing, I'm seeing across. And the reason know, that matters and the reason that's a really important thing for businesses to offer is because if everyone's doing it, then it's not oh, I'm strange for having to say she, Normalize. she, she that's her. The whole, that's the whole key. You normalize so that's, those are kind of two examples, right? On the one hand, you have people who, you know, the workplace is all kind of like, okay, yeah, great, we'll use the pronouns. But then in a conversation where that person isn't in the room, they're not. But then a really good example is like companies who, you know, open that option up to use your pronouns to put them in your, you know, profile or whatever. And then it just normalizes it and creates a more comfortable space. Now, how could you apply that or would the same mentality apply just maybe on a smaller scale for like a small business that wants to be like, hey, I'm at, like, I have this small business that's, you know, next to either nightclubs or businesses that are very involved in the queer community, but I am not in that community, but I want to be supportive and I also want to sell products to them. So can, like, is it the same approach with small businesses or even just individual people and businesses and creators or do they have to approach differently because they're not this... Or do they have an advantage that, that they can approach it differently because they're not this big known entity? So so as someone who works extensively with words, um, <laughs> words make a really big impact. Yeah, and um, 
So what I do, words, language, yes. So what I think small businesses, but businesses of any size can do, and this is something I push for constantly, is just think about the language you're using and how inclusive it really is. So, you know, if you're writing an advertisement or, you know, an ad campaign or commercial, it can be a partner. They they can be a partner. It doesn't have to be wife or husband or girlfriend or boyfriend. It can just be partner and partner Mm -hmm. is very universal. You know, use they instead of he, if you're just, if you can, um, you know, just use I, I worked on a product recently that was for kids and families, but it, you know, it said, you know, it was a tent, it was a pop-up tent and it said, you know, can fit two kids and one parent, you know, not every kid has a parent. Some kids have mm-hmm. guardians. So I changed it to two kids and one grown up. And it's just very like right. simple language like that, but it, it takes the extra effort to think through you know, am I including everyone that I possibly can in this message? But ultimately those are such small tweaks and they really do make a difference from someone saying, is this for me or is this not for me? And in my approach to branding and, you know, tone of voice and the sort of style guides I use in all the different work I do, that's the question I always come back to is if someone looks at this, are they going to say, this is for me? Gotcha. And you could use language. Inclusive language is a huge step that any, any company of any size can risk and reward to say both shannon and christine were taking a personal and professional risk when it came to their podcast is putting it mildly to say the least putting out a podcast about sex and sexuality for the entire world to listen to could have easily disrupted their personal lives their relationships, their professional careers, and even their family. But with all of that at stake, they both determined the potential reward was worth the risk. And that reward was a platform where they could talk about a subject that they were both deeply passionate about and possibly help some people along the way. We're living in a time where anything and everything we do can easily be put under a microscope. So taking a risk can be terrifying and justifiably so. But remember, if you want the rewards of starting your own business or simply making a living off of your creative work, then you have to accept the risk of being vulnerable, the risk of putting yourself out there, and the risk of failure. Going into, again, like talking about the business business side of not necessarily sexuality but because you cover sexuality and sex on a number of topics mm-hmm. um i think you i think one of the episodes you interviewed the uh owner of Mis- mr 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 sister mr yep. sister okay um uh, lucas works there lucas has yeah. worked there okay for three years <laughs> uh so you're interviewing that business owner that's a business owner that doesn't deal in sexuality but deals in sex to a degree mm-hmm. um and then i think there was a post you had made about like a leather company mm-hmm. uh so has there like after interviewing these people is there anything that you notice from a business standpoint that are there like challenges or things that a business that either deals in sex or sex products or i don't know, products that are like sex or sexuality adjacent i guess is the best way i can describe it uh is there any, do they have like unique business challenges that other businesses don't have to, um, to deal with? I think Lucas talked a bit about the challenge of making all customers feel comfortable mm-hmm. <laughs> because he had, excuse me, they had a variety of clientele 
um, from college students to older couples to people in the King community. And the challenge was to create an environment where the curious could still feel comfortable and to create um, a space where there's a lot of information. So I think the challenge was to not be like a freaky sex shop. I think the challenge was to be, hey, we're, we're a legitimate business and we're here to provide a legitimate service with legitimate information, um, which um, I was impressed with our interview. Um, and I've frequented the store um, and they deliver. It's comfortable, it's, it's knowledgeable, and um, great, great books in there. Phenomenal books. Interestingly, though, they do not have an e-commerce site. They uh, only operate in the in-person store. Because I've heard some things with payment processing. Actually, that leads to a question I have. Because you you had just stated that oh you know their their thing was let's not make it be this you know freaky sex shop right mm-hmm. they want like almost like a not nor- maybe not not tone it down but like um just be like it's hey like we're very a legitimate accessible. business yeah. we're accessible um, and very I mean, professional. Do, do it's think- erotica. I mean it is yeah. erotica, but it's not it's not you know. Kinks are us, yeah. you know. It's erotica, and erotica However, is a broad range. However, Kinks are us sounds like an amazing I mean, business wow, name. Right? <laughs> like, I, I think that Toys R Us building is still open off the near the mall. Maybe we could uh, buy it up. But <laughs> the reason why I asked that question is, um, uh, re- uh, fairly recently, right? OnlyFans. The reason why I bring it up because I think this is an interesting case study, and it happened with Tumblr as to a degree as well. Where like Tumblr didn't set out to be a business. That or a site or a platform that dealt in sex, but a lot of people who mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. were selling sex or posting sexual content on there. It's all right, there's sexual content on tons of websites, but then Tumblr's like, we're gonna just axe this. Yeah. They got, they got to like, because like Tumblr was getting big, and then all of a sudden, Tumblr's user base yeah. went down plummeted, and you know, plummeted, yeah. and then only uh, OnlyFans, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, was. Not, like, not it's like, like we made that would be you know, like Hagen does yeah. being like we don't sell ice cream. Yeah, so so what that was interesting is only sex fan, made you only only fans <laughs> was like hey we're gonna pivot away from this even though like that like like to a more you know more so than Tumblr because Tumblr wasn't like hey this is what makes us but, like, but only that, fans yeah. was and then tried to pivot away from it. it didn't work out too well and they quick, quickly pivoted back but what mm-hmm. I found interesting was that I think it was the reasoning behind it that at least what OnlyFans was saying. OnlyFans, right. the company was, because we have investors now and money and dot, dot, dot. That's what they said. Who knows? Well, the reason why I bring that up is that do you think that, or have you seen businesses that deal with, that deal in sex or, or sex-related products or neurotica, at, like, do they get to a certain growth point where it's like, oh, we got to like, we were doing this, like, hey, we were kinks are us, but now we got to change the name because like we're doing X amount in sales and now we got to be like, well, I it, will it's tell in, you, it's it, it's it's inclusive, but but going away from the thing that brought you to the dance, money wise, so right. I, I, like I, I will it's tell a weird you, thing. A pivot that that I see in what I'm reading in the sexuality world is sex toys and erotica has turned into a wellness industry. That's how they've rebranded mm-hmm. sex. That, that, all right, so that, that, <laughs> thank you for saying rebranding them. Like, that, that's why I want to say, like, do you like do that's people the, who yeah, do I mean, that space wellness and adult re, retail? Do, right. do people in that space like have to re and do they have to rebrand or is it more like they get to a certain level and they feel like to rebrand or is it just it's in the pursuit you know of profit? Who I don't know. <laughs> I just okay. know that it's happening. Okay. <laughs> but I will say, like you know, all of the the stores that we 
um, you know, promoted on, on our social, like those are small companies that really are, are standing behind authentically what they're selling. Yeah. Real niche. Um, and I think that is a way that I can't speak for the straight communities, but I can speak for the LGBT communities that a lot of folks try to buy small business and because they're like, this is a trans owned business or this is a queer owned business. Um, you know, this is a sustainable business. I think buying small is always good, but I think actually weirdly in the adult retail space, it's even better to buy small. You've got better quality control and you've got better, you know, to what we were talking about before, there is obviously less performative allyship. It really is, you know, you're buying from people who saw a niche for wellness and sexuality. Well, and the other piece of that is you're also seeing much more, um, sex toys being developed by women owned companies. Um, and it's very sex positive. There was definitely um, yeah. a time where it was, you know, amazing.net and it was just like, yeah, you know, the amazing crazy, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like crazy kink, whatever. But if you look at these sites now, it's, it's all about being sex positive. It's all you deserve to feel good. You and your partners deserve to feel good. It's all about, it's all about feeling good. It's not about doing kinky, weird shit. It's about feeling good. Do you right. think there's an, ad- so that's actually an interesting point because you're saying buy small, shop small, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's an advantage because like I, I, we were talking about like you know the risks and possible disadvantages of you know dealing or selling something that's taboo or very niche or maybe not considered the accepted norm. Do you think that like from a from a business standpoint, do you think there's an advantage in you're dealing in an area that's taboo and that's something that's not the norm? Even with your own podcast, like is there an advantage that you're 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 willing to talk about a subject that's I not talked so. about and then yeah. and then later on when it like if if and when it does become more accepted and more shows come out like you're like the OG show yeah. that's been talking about it so i wonder if like is there an advantage from a business standpoint when you're willing to take that risk or willing to go so. to a taboo area yeah i mean sex we sells but so. sex ed also sells well we hope that sexuality that needs to be a selling. sticker or like a t-shirt or something yeah, sex, sex sells, but also, sells but also but also but also sort of sex ed but or also, yeah i think well and I mean, I hope so. I hope sexuality starts selling as a positive, as a positive way of increasing your well-being and increasing your your life satisfaction and pleasure in life. All of those things should be selling, not just not just sexy lingerie and showing lots of skin. You know, the the sexualness, the erotic energy is is a big factor that hopefully will become more of something that we can you know, market, merchandise, all of those good things. <laughs> but to your point earlier, when we were talking about, you know, what do you, what did you do to get this started? One of the things we did do was look at competitors in the space. And so, yeah, there wasn't a ton of competition in this space. And, you know, there, there are really popular podcasts that talk about sex, but it's like, um, guys, we fucked. That's one of the podcasts. And then right. like, there's another one like sex with my mom. <laughs> yeah. There's, I mean, that one is a, bad example because that's literally a guy talking to his mom about sex which is this um but talking about you know looking at other competitors um there wasn't as much researched um like sex talk and so that was where we really saw the opportunity but and a lot of it's niche it's it's queer it's but that you is know, what you have to do if, stuff like that if you're gonna if you're gonna you know follow a passion project you do have to be really thoughtful about where your space is in the space there's spaces within the space and you have to find yours I think that brings up an interesting point and a question I have of 
so you're you're you know like hey there's an advantage of you're willing to to take that risk and want to talk about the taboo thing but you had both also said before that hey we're putting it out there that we are not the end all be all experts mm -hmm. and then you know people you know one of the reasons why you wanted to do uh this thing is that uh people doing their own research quote unquote when the space is not filled with a lot of people and with the combination of that on the one hand and on the other hand you you know anybody can put content out uh is there a concern you know because you're addressing it in your own show by saying we're not the experts but like is there a credibility concern hey it's not a space that everybody's in so cool i can sprout some misinformation some bullshit and it's gonna be a <laughs> while before somebody checks me on it well, I think, I think, um, my and have you ever, and have you, either one of you ever seen that and be like, oh no, like this is BS. <laughs> well, I would say most of the stuff I've seen out there that takes the same approach that we do academically is pretty well researched. Um, and people bring in the experts when they don't know what to talk about. And that's something we're trying to do a lot more about yeah, we'll too, be doing much more but of that. you know, it's not anything to sneeze at that you're getting your PhD in this at UConn. And, and that's part of what sold it in too. You know, it wasn't just, Hey, we're going to talk about sex because we right. want to. It was, Hey, I, you know, I have a background in women's and gender studies and, and in my master's in communications and you're getting your PhD in well, psychology. And I can, get, I can literally on. get the research articles like when they're online, when they're not available to the public. I think <laughs> also know? the thing about what we're talking about in the field of sex and sexuality is that especially sexuality research is a pretty young field. And so when we say we're not the research, we're not the experts, it's because there's also evolving research coming out yeah, all the time. Concerned. So we can't be the experts because no one is yet. Well, and what's happened in the sexuality field is there's been a shift and there's a, it's a slow shift from talking about dysfunction to talking about well-being and pleasure. And that's where we want to be part of that shift. So I have a question on, you were saying, um, well-being, right? Well-being mm -hmm. and pleasure and rebranding of, um, certain types of businesses. And they're going mm -hmm. now, now it's the, well. now it's, we don't sell sex toys. We sell wellness products and that kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> yes. I have a question in that. Um, that'll be the episode we're recording tomorrow soon. So, <laughs> and whenever this podcast comes out, it may it won't be tomorrow. Yeah, it won't so, be chronological, be, so yeah. don't worry about it. But um, the reason why I asked that question is that I wonder how much culture plays into how the businesses and and like the branding and the changing in branding and how things are perceived. And the reason why I say culture, I wonder if this show was done not that it's not reaching people globally because globally because it's on a platform where anybody can mm -hmm. go you know relatively anybody in the world can go listen to it right but would this be considered a taboo thing in you know another country like would this be even considered a taboo show depends on the country right yeah, well that, and that, that's what i mean the reason why i'm getting to that is that is there something with you know america the u.s yeah that like, like, <laughs> like specifically culturally where you know i'm um, I remember the name but there's like a, there's like a uk television show where it has like a very like the, the set reminds me of who wants to be a millionaire but it's like literally they get a contestant it's contestants of all like all you know ages in the sense of like 18 and up i'm i'm you know young old whatever and it's literally like somebody sits there and then like they show a bunch of people and they show everything like they're completely naked and they just they just don't show the face and then like they pick like the person <laughs> they want to date i like good god ba based Leave on it to the uk <laughs> no like, like literally just based on how they look naked and it's and it's like prime time television out there a friend of mine was showing me the show and um you know what that show would not exist here in 
you know, in the in the U.S. Or uh, I remember. Have you seen Naked and Afraid? But they blur it out. Not the same. They, it's not. They're not looking not the for a mate. There's only one hookup on Naked and Afraid. And it's not a game show. It's every. They were week, just trying to stay warm. Where it's every week. Where it's like, here's Marjorie. She's 56, and um, here's our 10 contestants. And like, literally, the whole show is just them and the audience laughing along, making comments about like, oh, that dude's genitals look good. That one's not so good. Like, oh, I like that guy's body, and like he's. That wouldn't exist in the U.S. for well, the naked, certain reasons. The but, naked part wouldn't exist, but we objectify yeah. all the time. And, 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 and <laughs> the, the reason why I'm bringing the, bringing that up is is you know how much does culture play with, like, as far as like you know why sexuality is not talked about? Why it has to be sensitive? Like mm-hmm. like would this e- would this show even be considered taboo if you were you know if, if you were both uh, from a different country where it's like, well, if you haven't listened to it yet, you should listen to our episode with Bill Shaner from Worcester, because we talk a lot about the Worcester school committee and why so many people are opposed to talking about sex and sexuality. Um, but yeah, I think it is actually that episode is the reason why I brought this question up because I thought that was interesting. (laughs) Yeah, no. And then I think that's a lot of it comes down to religious, political, religious, political. Yeah. I mean, the U S the U S is definitely very conservative in terms of discussing sexuality, we have the least comprehensive sex education in most of Western civilization, you know, the Western part of the world. But then if you went to the Netherlands where they start comprehensive sex ed in preschool and they talk about body autonomy, this would not be as taboo. And, and maybe some of these myths wouldn't even be myths for that, for that. Culture. I was going to be the next question. Would, would, would it even be considered myths? Like depending on the culture, you're, you're, um, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're some would, still, some would still be because a lot of the sex, a lot of the sexuality research is global studies. There's a lot of global studies looking at, you know, frequency, orgasm, pleasure, things of that nature that cross all the cultures. So a lot of it, like for example, maybe the myth that there's no comprehensive sex education in the United States wouldn't be a myth in the Netherlands, but the myth that there's still an orgasm gap is going to be a myth worldwide. But maybe in the Netherlands, more people would sit down and listen to it. Right. <laughs> but it's still, you know, it's still something people still need to learn. Yeah. You know, so it might not be as taboo, but the information might still be just as necessary. Right. Which, again, kind of comes back to the fact that it is a fluctuating field of research. You know, even people who are very open to it still need to have the research put in front of them, which is something that we talked about in our last episode when we were talking about the syllabus is just, you know, even people who want the research don't necessarily have the access to the most relevant research. Um, We were talking to my grandpa last week and he asked (laughs) he asked what it means to be woke. And it was funny because he's like. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm in my 80s. Can I be woke? And I'm like, you can be woke. Being woke is just being open to learning about new things. And it's basically just the antithesis of rigidity and thought. Mm-hmm. Is it bad that I've heard that word so much used correctly and a lot of times incorrectly that I'm just like... Over it, yeah. I just can't mm-hmm. hear that word anymore just because yeah, I've, I've heard so many Yeah, but hearing it come out people. of an 80-something-year-old yeah, man's that was, That's interesting. <laughs> that was interesting. But I'm just saying like just as far as just hearing it, yeah, like yeah. all the time, I'm just like, okay, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. I, I don't care if you're meaning it in a positive way or if you're trying to make fun of it. I'm just like, I can't hear this word <laughs> anymore. It's just... It, it's lost but all it's meaning. Um, <laughs> but it's a bad... Put it's a bad... And the, the reason why I say that, haha, segue... Um, Boom. <laughs> boom, 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 roasted. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to segue into the question of, you know, is it just a matter of time? Going back to like that Chris Rock joke, right? Is it just a matter of time where like 
yeah, this is considered, you know, taboo. Like you're, you're doing a show that's like not, not many people talking about it. Is it just a matter of time and a matter of enough people talking about it where like, is it, you know, Hey, 10 years from now, now, like you're one of the OGs of the space and there's like a thousand or a couple of thousand shows just like sex ed debunked. Like there's knockoff shows and parody shows of sex yeah. ed debunked, which like I would actually like to hear the parody version yeah, of right? Sex Ed oh, or or Sex Sex Ed Unabridged. Or <laughs> well, sex the parody unabridged. of it is just the Bible. Um, <laughs> That's right. You got it. <laughs> is it just I, a matter of time where like there's just so much content and people talking about it that it just becomes not a thing anymore? Like, and is that something that has ever crossed your mind? Like, huh? Like, what if it just comes talked about so much that it's just like, Meh. like, it's not it's not a taboo thing anymore because we're all talking I, about it. I think I think it's a matter of more time than either of us still have on this earth. Probably <laughs> That's true. what I think. You know, you see it trending in the right direction. I think like, you know, certainly my generation is more, you know, I think generally more accepting of like the LGBTQ communities. You know, I can say for having babysat kids who are, you know, 10, 8, 6 right now, they're a lot more open, I think, to the idea of different genders. Mm-hmm. I think every every kid I know knows a kid who is non-binary. You know, yeah. so um, I think it's trending that way. But even we've seen it, you know, there's generational gaps now. Like, again, talking about gender with certain generations is just like, it just does not compute. Well, you know, even, so. And quite honestly, even parts of the country. I mean, we are talking right. here in liberal. Right, we are the coastal elites. So. You know, but but there are certain parts of. I don't feel elite. I don't think don't. I'm making enough money to feel elite, <laughs> but whatever. But elite you know. in thought, uh, yeah, impoverished I, I in finances. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm an idiot host in this show. That's yeah, why right. that's why I have guests because like the guests are the reason why the show is good. Because if it was just me talking for two hours, it, that it would just it would tank. It would tank to like the I'd have a listenership of like two, and <laughs> that includes friend. me. So yeah, <laughs> just be me on loop. <laughs> yeah. So yes, it's going to be a matter of time, but a matter of a lot of time. Um, just like just like look at if you look at movements towards um, civil rights. I mean. Are, have we figured out civil rights yet? Mm. No. And that's been, that's almost been a uh, hundred years now, right? And if you talk about the Emancipation Proclamation, it's been 150 years. Have we figured out civil rights? No. So have we figured out sexuality? Um, we talk about Kinsey, we talk about Masters and Johnson. That's, that's, we haven't. And right. so time, time will certainly make, hopefully, um, make these conversations easier and make these conversations feel more normalized. But I think we're talking about a whole heck of a lot of time before this stuff isn't taboo to some segment of our culture. Yeah, I think that's the truth is that there will always be communities and there will always, always be places where this information is needed as much as other areas might progress. I think uh, I think Skipper's giving us the almost timeout because we do have to record in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! It's all right. So I'll try to. I didn't even realize what time was. See, <laughs> I have to go. See, 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 see everyone. You can just start talking about a subject, and see, then it just gets anyone can do it. Can do Remember this. when we said you had to plan it? We yeah. lied. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they say something. I, I've heard it said. Don't work with family. Don't bring family <laughs> to the business. And, Fair enough. And you're both talking about a taboo subject, a show called Sex Ed Debunked, and it's a mother-daughter team. Mm-hmm. How, like, does that provide certain difficulties or certain tensions or certain different views? Is there, or, or is it like, hey, this is, this is great, we're working together, or like, oh, 
these are like certain unexpected problems have come up because we're working <laughs> with family. They're challenges. They're challenges. But I think for me, Shannon pushes me. She challenges me. She doesn't let me just say something and let it sit there. She asks the questions and she challenges it. And I think those really hard conversations is part of what makes this podcast interesting. Yeah, I think the funny thing is that the subject matter is not the difficult part. I think we converse very naturally, very organically, and it doesn't feel uncomfortable. I think the only areas where we actually butt heads really is is the business part because I'll be like, <laughs> we have to do like we have to do our script, mom. We have to do the social post. The social posts are driving me crazy, but we have to do them every day because it's best practices to have a post out every day. And like that's where it gets stressful is we have to figure out our schedule for the week. No, we so if anyone's interested in move, being a social media. Yeah intern <laughs> but that's the funny thing is I think you would expect given the subject matter that maybe the uncomfortable part is is the talking about sex but it's not the uncomfortable part is like I think we're like trying to figure out how to work together as business partners yeah. and it's you know my mom brings the research to the table and I bring the expertise in mm -hmm. producing content and that's an interesting dynamic that we've never explored that before we've we've had yeah. a very interesting relationship in a lot of ways but this is the first time where it's been like you have to trust me that this is my expertise and I have to trust you that exactly. this is your expertise and the conversation comes in the middle how do you and leads perfectly in another question I have how do you think your backgrounds in marketing communications content and background as a lawyer how do you think it's helped the the creation and production of the podcast and have there been things where it's hindered it's almost kind of like oh, hey, I got to turn that part of my, my brain off or I got to like let go of that? I think that we both are very comfortable talking. I think as an attorney, you, mm -hmm. you got very comfortable with, you know, knowing how to present a case and present an argument. I think for me... And structure. And structure. And structure. that's the same thing for and me. And clarity. You know, I've worked in... I've worked on a pre-sales team before where much of my job was trying to pitch something to a client with a lot at stake. And so that... For me, I know that that taught me to be very, like, level-headed with how I deliver information. But it also... You know, I'm always thinking about the next thing that I'm going to say and how that ties everything together mm -hmm. in a bow at the end. And I, I was, think I was both... a pre-sales engineer, so I know. Yeah, I know so you understand. About. But I think you know, even our first recording session. You know, full disclosure, I I never listened to podcasts before starting to do a podcast. <laughs> I produced them and I would sound check them, but I would never listen to the final product. And I don't listen to them. I listen to one podcast recreationally, and that is uh, my favorite murder. And I just like it a lot. And I, full disclosure, don't listen to this on podcast because I'm afraid how that's going to impact how I deliver the podcast. But the reason I mention that. It's like a weird Schrodinger's cat thing. Yeah, right? Right? Where is the podcast? There's psychology for you. Um, but the reason I mention that is because we recorded our first episode and our sound engineer when we wrapped up was like, wow, that was so put together he's like I've never like you just you just went for it and there were I mean we almost never have edits to the episode because we have just such a comfortable way of conversing with one another um so I think that's where our backgrounds really benefit us you know as someone in communications and as mm -hmm. someone who came from a sales and marketing background for me talking about a subject and and the other thing is talking about a subject that maybe I don't know everything about but having to be the expert on it mm -hmm. is something you have to do in sales all the time is is speak passionately <laughs> about an industry you know nothing about and of course I know about this subject which makes it easier but it definitely has served me well to be able to say even if I don't know everything I can ask the right questions yes yeah, definitely definitely and I have to I have to be careful so you said like one of the things I have to be careful about I have to really be careful about what my husband likes to say is using my lawyer voice 
That's true. And I have to remember to be more conversational rather than trying to like, sometimes I get very passionate. I'm like, like but you need to understand. Exhibit A. <laughs> yes. And so that's Did you order the code have, red? Yeah. Did you order the yes. code red? Yes. Mom, order in the fucking court. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so that's the stuff I have to try to put aside a little bit and be more casual because I do come from a very serious profession. <laughs> yeah. And you'll occasionally like soapbox because you're like really trying to prove a point. And I'll do like the, the like finger roll where I'm like, like, okay, wrap it up. They I'm, get it. I'm not a big fancy. Oh, wait a minute. I am a big fancy lawyer. <laughs> it's me. Yes. How is, is there any interesting challenges or things that you noticed when, especially working with, um, working with Trailblaze Media, like how the show is marketed and packaged, especially in this, it's a subject that's not talked about a lot. Like, is, does that prevent, provide challenges, opportunities, a little bit at column A, column B, as far as the marketing and, packaging and even just like because i noticed even like the graphic like for the title cards of the show and i don't know if this is intentional or not, it kind of reminded me of saved by the bell mm-hmm. and i was like i don't know if that was an intentional decision or if that was just like a serendipitous like happy accident i don't know if that's part of like the marketing or whatnot yeah i think it's column a column b because you know we work within the capacities of trailblaze which are very good but like I have a lot of friends who are designers I have a lot of friends that you know work in this field and so if I wasn't doing this with trailblaze I might you know have more opportunity to on a different time frame work on things you know we're working with an agency which means we're kept in a very certain you know specific timeline for deliverables and whatever whereas if I just shot the shit with one of my friends and was like hey make me a logo it could happen you know in a week and it would be off the wall and crazy but which we still might do which we still you know we'll do stickers and stuff like that and then we'll freelance those out um but on the other hand you know it's really great to have the just utter professionalism of working with Ezra and again like you know, we presented this to Chris, the president of Trailblaze, and he didn't have pushback about the subject at all. And so I think where we feel really confident with Trailblaze as a partner is that we know that they trust our vision. And it's really, it's, you don't get that everywhere where your partner that you're working mm-hmm. with really like trusts you to do right by them. And I think we both feel that about each other. I think they feel like yeah. we're really good partners and we feel like they're really great partners. Um, and, they, and I like I, for me, I could say like when we when we record and Ezra's doing, I, I love it the fact that Ezra's leaning forward and listening, you know, like he's actually mm-hmm. he's he's not getting just, into it. He's right. not just the production guy. He's so actually just like, all right, right, like this podcast number eight, I got to record today. Like no, whatever your no, loves are good. He's definitely like intent with what what we're discussing. And you know what, time. too, I'll say like they they do listen, and I know that the, the folks at Trailblaze listen and. You know, they approached us, um, the designer and Ezra approached us and they were like, you know, I think, I think maybe we should do a rebrand. It's like they listened to the podcast and they got a better understanding of what it was all about through our first semester and came to us and said like, do you want to tweak this at all now that we like really know what this show is? Mm -hmm. And it was really nice to have that sort of, you know, copacetic. Yeah, we do because we feel like now we really know who we are. And so you can expect a rebrand at some point in the next semester because they followed our vision and kind of aligned with us and we're like, okay, we're going to. We're going to revisit now, now that we really know who we are. You would have thought I planned this, but besides <laughs> rebranding, what um, plans do you have or plans and or aspirations do you have for the show, both from like a creative and content standpoint, maybe ideas you haven't tackled yet, but also from a professional standpoint, like are there, you know, like, hey, how can we take this and make like not just one revenue stream, but multiple revenue streams out of it. Maybe mm-hmm. have a Patreon, maybe have a Discord, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. the, sell an NFT because that's what everybody's freaking doing Apparently. nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think 
we kind of started slow because we were getting into it and getting our groove. And I feel like now we have a lot of myths that we want to debunk that people have submitted to us. And so we're kind of building that loyal followership. Um, you know, we're definitely, definitely bringing in more guests and bringing in more experts and trying to expand that network. Um, you know, we've talked about wanting to get booths at, you know, relevant events, get a booth at pride, get a booth, you know, at some of these conferences that are about sexuality and health and Mm -hmm. just continue to spread the message. You know, we joked about it, but like, yeah, we want to do stickers and stuff because I think it's just fun to get that kind of marketing out there. Eventually. Yeah. You want to do merchandising and eventually you want to do the t-shirt that says sex ed sells. You know, like we want to do all of that old school or hear like old school sitcom style commercials oh yeah show <laughs> we're yeah we're playing that's a lot that's kind of our mood board for the next rebrand is to lean a lot more into the like save by the bell and and family matters type uh branding and a little more school focused with like composition notebooks and yeah cheat like sheets and things but um yeah i mean the, of course this is a business right so we want to sell and that is part of our agreement with trailblaze is like yes this will eventually be profitable but at the end of the day what we care about most is getting the information to the right people and the good news is that when you start making money and you start making a profit that does happen you start to you know roll into a larger network and you get the snowball effect of more people catching on because they see this they see the shirt or they see the sticker right, or they right. see whatever so in a perfect that world that works someday. <laughs> Well, where are your stickers, Jane? <laughs> you know, well, and we're talking about doing like some like some video content as yeah. well, and and trying to position ourselves to some extent as as subject experts in certain areas as well, so that we can you know get into the local market a bit. Yeah, more. Yeah, and in that case, being the ones who are worth who are who are willing to talk about the things that are taboo becomes beneficial because if if you're not afraid to be the one that talks about the thing no one wants to talk you about, beca- then you become the authority. Yeah, on it. Mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. That's how it works. Classic marketing. <laughs> so, what advice would you have for? Any creative, any entrepreneur, any creative entrepreneur, advice for your previous selves. Hmm. Just somebody just somebody wondering like, hey, I want to do this thing, but there's risk or it's taboo or it's niche. From just from your just from your travels, things things that you learned, what advice would you give? And maybe what advice would you have given your former self, like, you know, hey, if, if I, I wish I would have known X, Y, and Z. Hmm. Advice to myself. Well, first of all, I think I would say this is going to be a time commitment. You better know what you're getting yourself into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, advice to other people is find someone like Shannon who has a vision that can be laid out and really be organized. Um, she's a super organized person and I'm very structured too, but I don't have all the technology. I don't have the, let's set up the Google drive and the Google sheets and this and that. And I think having a real organizational structure gives you a way to move forward that's not overwhelming so we do this in bits and pieces you know we don't we don't have the whole entire semester planned out yet but we have a framework and i think um my advice to someone would be like think think through three to six months don't think about what you're doing tomorrow or just what i'm doing tomorrow think about what your life is going to feel like and what your commitment's going to be like and then say am i willing to take the risk for the benefit. And I think the, the risk benefit calculation for us was like, what do we have to lose? We're putting ourselves out there and we're going to put out good content. And whether we have, you know, a hundred listeners or a hundred thousand listeners, those listeners are going to get really good information. That's going to really help their lives. Yeah. So for me, first off, I think it's putting a plan behind your passion. Yeah. Um, you know, yes, hold on to Which your is passion. kind of what but... I said, but you said it better. <laughs> well, <laughs> cause you're the marketer. Well, there's, um, 
I think it's like Thoreau that said it's okay to build your cloth, your castles in the clouds, but you do have to build a foundation yep, under it. That's it. That's it. And so that's, that's one piece of advice. And the other piece of advice is to take the opportunity when it's given to you. I didn't know what I wanted to have a podcast about, mm-hmm. but I recognized a good opportunity when it was offered to me. And I think sometimes just saying yes leads you to the right thing. And I said, I didn't say yes, absolutely. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about though, but I did say that would be really exciting. I am really interested in that. Let me get back to you with some ideas and call it serendipitous or what you will. But we had that conversation the next day. Mm -hmm. And because I had said yes, I was able to turn around an email two days later with a content plan. Yeah. So say yes. So find a good collaborator. (laughs) So yeah, that's what I would say. And, And it's like, you know, come into it prepared. Every opportunity that you're offered in your life is like a job interview that you want to be the most prepared for. Even if the opportunity is just someone casually saying, hey, would you want to maybe do a podcast? Be ready for the interview. Yeah. So... We're at the end of the show, and I want to uh, finally let Skipper both... speak. Sure. Yes. yes. <laughs> let the cat speak. We're, we're going we're to give Skipper the mic. Uh, <laughs> but I want to give you both the opportunity because it's something I always do at the end of the show where, and, I, and I'll, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I stole the idea from Hot Ones, and the beneficial thing is you don't have to eat hot wings um, unless you want to. Uh, I mean, maybe that'll be a thing for the next show. But go off, you know, talk about promote the show, talk about whatever you want to talk about the next, you know, the, the, these, these next minutes or hour, if you really want to go, really go off, uh, <laughs> they're yours to say, promote, talk about whatever you want. So, you know, the last minutes, these are your minutes. Uh, feel free, feel free to go off. Cool. Um, yeah. So sex ed debunked, you can find it on all of the places that you stream podcasts. Um, our episodes are usually between 25 and 40 minutes. They might be a little bit more this semester. Um, we definitely recommend going back and listening to the first season, but for those of you who are <laughs> who consider yourself already educated, sex educated, <laughs> uh, the next season is going to be a lot more in-depth about everything from kink to what it really means to have different genders to, to the sexuality, monogamy, <laughs> polyamory. Yeah. There's going to be a lot covered, I think. And we're going to, we're going to try to bring in a lot more experts to have more conversations like this one. Um, you know, I think it's a topic that some people might shy away from. And that's what we've talked about here today is it yep. can be a topic mm-hmm. that can be daunting, but you know, we're a family having a conversation about this. So if there's any safe space to have the conversation, it's probably the two of us just kind of talking it out. Yeah. And we're a safe space for you to reach out, um, you know, sexheaddebunked at gmail.com. Anyone who has any questions that, that they are curious about. And, yeah, and this is a, we need this is a show more questions. People. Yes, more questions. We are so excited every time someone's like, well, can you talk about this? Like, we're going to talk about menopause myths. We're going to talk about the myth. Sexual and aging. We're going to talk about, you know, <laughs> cherry popping. We're going to talk about loose vaginas and why you think that it's hook loose when culture. you hook up with 12 people, but not loose when you have sex with the same person 10 times. You know, there's just, there's a lot of things that we've been, that people have asked us to talk about. And that's like truly what we do it for, you know, listen to the, the podcast, but also, you know, tell us your questions. It's totally a safe space. Send us an email. The only people that read the emails are us. Um, send us a message on Instagram. We're the only people that monitor that account. So it is very safe and we're just happy to continue having these conversations for as long as we can have them for so thanks for um, bringing us on and uh, keep listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was, was going to say that, you know, thank you both for coming on 
And uh, yeah, for for anybody uh, for anybody and everybody listening, the show is Sex Ed Debunked. Uh, it's on every available podcast platform, and some sure I've is. even never have heard of until I was doing my research for this episode. <laughs> like, what uh, the fuck is that? Yeah, but you know, uh, but Shannon, Christine, Shannon, Christine, Curly, uh, thank you so much for for. And Skipper and Mango, the cats, of course. <laughs> yeah, if you hear any scuttering or, or, or running awkward or pauses, it's, galloping. Uh, it's their fault. Yeah, they're going to have fun. their own podcast soon enough. But <laughs> Shannon, Christine, thank you. Thank you for uh, coming on the show. Thank you for talking about uh, the creation of your idea and your podcast. And I, I hope uh, that it's helped some people out there. And for anybody listening to this show, keep on listening to it. And keep also, listening. it's not bad. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah I, I try. I try. It's all right. Yeah. I try. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, I wonder if that is like, this one. it's all right. You've got a review on Apple <laughs> yeah, podcast. It's, it's, it's all okay. right. Yeah. It's okay. Would listen for free. It's, nice. it's fine. It's fine and fun. <laughs> we but, appreciate it. Thank you, Jack. But their show is sex ed debunked. And until next time, everybody keep on creating. Thanks all right. Keep Woo-hoo. on creating. I like that. And that's it for this episode of The Creative Capital Show. Thank you for listening. And a special thanks goes to this episode's guests, Shannon and Christine Curley. The Creative Capital Show is hosted, recorded, and produced by me, Jason Sylvia, with audio editing and mixing by Anthony Ferreira. You can listen to The Creative Capital Show over at our website, creativecapitalshow.com. We're also available on Anchor FM, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all other major podcast hosting platforms. If you like the show, please subscribe. It helps the show out a lot. And be sure to follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, LinkedIn, and YouTube. I hope you enjoyed the show, and until next time, keep on creating.